We're curating an interconnected collection of craps and classics spanning the history of cinema. Each film is connected to the last by a mutual cast member, and so it continues forever, or until we can't be asked anymore. This week's films are... Grampus and Edward Scissorhands. How's it going, George? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? You all right? Very well, thank you, mate. Um, this is our first episode of 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Buzzing to get into it, Dan. And we've got, um, we've got some bangers today, haven't we, to talk about? It's exciting. We have. And obviously... Again, we've we've said thank you many times, but the last episode was uh, a, a great success. Uh, luckily, after all the work uh, you put into it, mate, um, and we just want to say thank you again to everyone uh, that, who got involved and kind of supported us and put it out across their channels as well. Because it's been a bit of a hit, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was great, and um, yeah, we're going into the new year. You know, with um, yeah, you know, loads of good ideas, haven't we, Dan? So um, yeah, we're kicking it off in style today. <laughs> Definitely so. So we, we've made a bit of a change up, haven't we, mate? Like in the past, uh, we've spoken non-stop for between two and three hours about a single <laughs> film and, and and done it play by play um, now that's great and all that but we we want to be a bit more kind of analytical and granular about things rather than speaking about every single moment that happens in the film and and just doing a short summary we want to talk about the themes and the direction and the acting in a bit more detail and we want to talk about more films so from now on we're going to do two films per week um, and obviously discuss the per- the cast member that's linking those two films and um, just go into a bit of detail and not do the play-by-play. Yeah, I think that's good. I think what that could do is it could it could make it, you know, it, we could go to places that maybe we haven't gone before and things. So I think it'll be an interesting take. And the good thing is we'll be able to cram two movies into an episode, um, you know, which is good for us. It means we get to watch more movies and talk about different films. And um, yeah, so 2022, we've got a new format. So um, yeah, it's good. But still plenty of games and, you know, loads of like chatting about movies. So Definitely. Yeah, it's cool. Definitely. Well, mate, on, on that note, have you uh, seen anything good, well, since since Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, a few things. So um, the first thing to mention is um, I've been on a bit of a binge recently. So off the back of our top um, 2021 um, episode, there was probably about four off that list that got in the top 25 that I hadn't seen. So I made uh, an effort to, um, to watch those films. So I won't talk too much about each one of them, but just to let you know, I've now seen Pig. Um, which was brilliant. Good. I yeah. knew you'd like it, it. It was brilliant. It was, um, again, I won't sort of take, say too much because we, one, we talked about it last week on the, or last episode. And two, it's, it is definitely better for people to go in not knowing much. But it was great to see Nicolas Cage just do a role where he was just incredible. And um, it was more reserved and, oh, it's brilliant. I, I really liked Pig. I thought it was cool. Um, the other one I watched as well, again, which was amazing. No wonder it got in the top 25 was Mass. Um, Mass is so good. It like, is, you, you know, you watched it and you said how amazing it was. A few of our fans watched it and got it in the top 25 i've watched it now and it's fucking great like mm. it's so good and um I, I i did put a little post on instagram saying how much i liked it i remember i said on the post i said i wouldn't sort of rush back to see it because it's not it's not that sort of movie it's like yeah. pretty hard hitting isn't it mm. and um and, and and like i say it can sort of you know really sort of get you in the gut but wow like those four actors did such a cracking job and um to make a movie that engaging uh, with four people sat in a room and a boring room as well yeah it, you know it's, it's just it's so boring it's at the back of a church you know it's not even in the church it's sort of like the back room of the church it's, it's an amazing achievement that film it really is good and you know it's about a subject matter which is you know sort of tragic and, and, and interesting at the same time and I just thought it was a great idea for a film I think it was expertly um, you know done and crafted and I hope it does well you know with awards and I hope lots of people watch it it's on Sky Movies now mm. so I hope more people get to see it because uh, it's not enough just to hear that it's about
about it for people talking about a uh, school shooting. It's a lot more than that. So it definitely, is, I'm yeah. well glad I watched it. But the two I wanted to talk about, so I'd watched recently. So the first one um, in the cinema is I went to see Scream uh, a week and a half ago. Mm. Have you seen Scream, Dan? Not yet, mate. I was actually booked in to go uh, last night, but uh, due to kids <laughs> doing things Dead they kids. shouldn't do, <laughs> yeah, love it. staying up late, uh, I didn't manage to get to it. Uh, what did you think? Well, again, no spoilers here, but um, I went in quite excited because I remember we were texting each other about some of the really positive reviews that were coming out just before, and I thought, this is exciting. Like, this sounds like um, it's not going to be the usual Scream movie, you know? It's going to be a bit different to sort of 2, 3, and 4. It's going to sort of rip up the rule book a bit. And to be honest... I don't think it did. I think it was just like another screen movie. I personally didn't think it did anything that exciting. And although it was, it was entertaining, I was a bit disappointed because I, I think I had my hopes high on it yeah. really reinventing the rule book. And um, it didn't. Not for me. Um, it's, I mean, it's good. It's a solid film. And I, I did enjoy, you know, watching it. And there was a few bits that made me laugh. There was some good bit, There was some good kills. There was some good gore. But... Overall, it just it didn't blow me away at all, and I, I'm really keen to sort of see what you think when you see it because um, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed to be honest. Like I say, solid, but it didn't blow me away. It was just another screen movie, you know. Do you remember the prediction that I made when we saw the trailer in the cinema together? I do indeed. Yeah, that, was I right or was I wrong? I think I might be wrong, but yeah, you like I say, there, I think there's bits that you spoke about where you're not far off, but um, no, you are. You're not quite on, okay. on, on it. And uh, I think, that's what I hoped they did. You yeah. Know? I, thought, I hoped they would do something different. But. Nah, it's... Okay. Um, again, I'm not going to spoil it because lots of people probably haven't seen it and obviously I want you to sort of see yeah. it fresh. But I was just a bit disappointed with sort of the way they went. Sure. Um, but it's, it's an okay film, you know. It's not terrible, but it was just a little bit disappointing. So that's the first thing, screen. Yeah. Um, the second one, again... It's a bit of a bum note, really. Is another film I've been a bit disappointed with. So um, one of the movies off the top 25 that I hadn't seen yet was Licorice Pizza. I remember we spoke and it wasn't actually appearing in our local cinema, but that was just sort of a glitch because a week later it did come out in our local cinema and it's been playing for like the last two weeks now. So that's cool. Anyway, went to watch it the other day. Reasonably excited because I like most of Paul Thomas Anderson's films. Some of them are a bit of a dud for me, but overall I like his films. And I'd heard loads, uh, you know, really positive and glowing reviews about Licorice Pizza. And it was like, you know, a really interesting movie about these two you know, kids that sort of, uh, you know, will they, won't they get together? And there's a sort of bit of an age gap. So it's all, you know, it's all a bit weird and all a bit mad. Anyway, I've got to be honest, I did find it pretty boring. Um, the first thing is that the, um, the two lead characters are great. So they... If it wasn't for them, the film would be an absolute dud, in my opinion. But um, apart from their performances, which are really, really good, uh, it's just a collection of events that happen to the girl and the boy through, like, a period of their life, maybe through, like, a few years, you know. And the events, like, aren't really connected, and it just doesn't go anywhere, you know? You just basically, you see a set piece, and then something happens, and then something else happens, and then there'll be another, like, comedic situation, and then it'll move on by a few weeks or a few months, and then something else will happen. And it's just this for about two and a half hours. And then it just ends. Mm. Um, So, again, I was just really disappointed, and I really struggled to see what everyone was, like, so glowingly loving about it, you know? The performances were amazing, don't get me wrong. They were great. Does it look good? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a very good looking film. I mean, the only thing with it is that it's um, it's 
it's set in California, which is a really good looking place back in the sort of 60s and 70s. You know, it's got a really cool color palette and it just, everyone's wearing like cool clothes and the music's awesome. So the setting is really, really cool. The, the, the look of it is great, but it's just not enough. Like I, um, I walked out the cinema and I was pretty bored and I was quite disappointed really. And I just failed to see what everyone was absolutely loving about it. So again, I, I'd love you to see it, to see what you think, because there's a high chance you might go in and love it. But I don't know, I, I struggled to see what was so like amazing about it. Did you see it with Shah? Nah, just no. sort of my own. No. Yeah, I was wondering what Shah would think of it. She would have been bored. I know. <laughs> I know she would make it. Just it wouldn't have been her thing, you know. It, um, I, I've got to say though, those two, those two leads are great. So you have got that girl from the band Haim. That's how to say, isn't it? Yeah, Haim or Haim. That's it. And then you've got um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son in it who's incredible. He's such a good little actor. Um, yeah, I think he'll go on to do really good stuff. So really good seeing them two in the leads, uh, lead roles. Um, but overall, wasn't for me. I thought it was boring and a bit of a dud. So yeah, it's two things I've seen in the cinema that um, I haven't really enjoyed that much. So oh, shame. I know, which is mad because usually we come in here and we just go, oh, I've seen this, it was amazing. I saw mm. that, it was amazing. And it's been a weird week actually, but there's other things lined up at the cinema that are coming out soon or out soon that I know are going to be better. Like yeah. I'm, I'm keen to see Belfast, mate. Yeah, oh, man. Because I just, yeah. I, I know I'm going to like that. I almost, if I, if I don't like that, I'd be really disappointed. Mm. I think I'm going to love that. So it's not all bad. There's still good stuff. So that's me, mate. Scream and Licorice Pizza, not the best in my opinion, but. Well, mate, um, I haven't got much new to talk about, to be fair. I haven't been to the cinema since we went to see The Matrix. Um, which oh, okay. Was... If you, are you burnt from that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a crazy, crazy uh, start to the year. Um, yeah. uh, like I said, I was booked in for last night, but uh, didn't manage to make it. But I have re uh, gone back and uh, watched a, a few films um, uh, over the recent weeks. But what, there's one, only one I want to particularly talk about, which mm -hmm. is um, Ed Wood. Oh, Edward! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, have you you've seen it, right? I have seen Edward, and yeah. I, I think it's incredible. I love it. Oh man, I've, I I think I saw it probably when I was about thirteen or fourteen, um, and probably too young to appreciate it. But I absolutely loved this film. Like I watched it after. Obviously, one of our films today is a Tim Burton movie, mm. um, and I I fancied a bit more Tim Burton, um, so I, I watched a couple. I watched this and and, and Batman, um, and obviously. I've talked about Batman before, so I didn't want to go into too much detail. But Ed Wood took me by surprise at how much I actually really, really enjoyed this film. Um, I do, I do like movies about movies and um, behind the scenes stuff. And uh, he's what a hell of a character. Uh, what I want to do now is go back and watch some of um, Edward Wood's um, movies, movies, yeah, yeah like Plan Nine or Out of Space and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's just really good fun. I think Johnny Depp's uh, good in it. Is that spear of time? You know, kind of con man type thing, and uh, not con man, but kind of, kind of, you know, he's kind of a shyster. Yeah, a bit yeah. of a shyster, yeah, yeah. A bit of a wheeler dealer. Try, trying to get his films made. So uplifting. Just like, like in that film, that Ed Wood is, um, he's so positive and he's so keen and you just can't help just get, uh, have a great feeling after that movie. You know mm. what I mean? It, that, you could just, you could put that into any walk of life. It's a great attitude to have. Just that, never say die. I'll do whatever I want and I'll do it in the, you know, I'll the do best it my way, way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's it's basically such, Tim Burton, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's such a good message. And the other <laughs> thing as well, um, how good is it to see like Johnny Depp play a character like that because it makes his like recent performances in the last sort of 10 15 years look incredibly dull and boring i think and like it just you make it makes you think god johnny depp is actually an amazing actor who could who could do so much more and i just think i don't know he comes across as lazy to be honest i think he's just a boring actor in my Whoa. opinion um, in the last Mate, sort of 10 15. i think it very much tracks with tim burton's career as well tim burton 
went for, we'll talk about it in detail later, but went through this amazing run. Mm. Um, but I haven't enjoyed a Tim Burton film for God knows how long. Nah, he's lost the magic. That's, and that <clears throat> sounds harsh, but I think it's true. Yeah, we'll get into detail about that uh, later. But yeah, I just wanted to flag that up because I think uh, it's one of my favourite Tim Burton movies, actually. It's, it was good fun. I think Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi was absolutely brilliant. Like, oh, he plays the ageing like, star, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, Bella Lugosi. He's awesome, you're Dracula. right. He's great. Yeah. He's, he's just so over the top and campy. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just brilliant. And um, I, I didn't hate Sarah Jessica Parker in it either, which was which is a revelation. Yeah, um, he, she plays his, um, <clears throat> his like, girlfriend, doesn't she? Yeah. But she gets sick of him halfway through, doesn't she? She's like, I can't handle yeah, this anymore. Right, yeah. like, I love it. I just, I just love it. He's got that ragtag bunch of, like, actors slash cameramen slash like mic operators and they just follow him around and he just gets them doing the stupidest yeah. stuff for his movies well that's what i was thinking it's that it just it's tim burton he has his crew <laughs> of loyal people that he brings yeah. on uh you know he gets the same people to do his set design and his uh same people to do his music danny elfman <laughs> in every film and, and so true go, yeah um but yeah i just thought i'd call it out because i think it's a very much underrated tim burton effort. I, I don't think it's underrated among among proper film fans but I, I think more people uh, need to see it because yeah. it's, it's it's good fun it's it's a beautiful looking film um, I think Bill Murray's fucking fantastic in it as well oh he plays a transsexual <laughs> yeah, sort of it, it, yeah on, on the edge of, of, of uh, changing sex in Mexico mm. but doesn't quite go uh, as planned mm. um, so yeah Edward is the only one I wanted to call out because the rest of it uh, there's nothing interesting to say about the other things I've seen uh, <laughs> since, since Christmas one little thing on Edward actually is just yeah. a good little point to raise um, or about films in black and white in general is that do you reckon that a film in black and white it doesn't matter when it's made whether it's made last year 50 years ago 20 whatever do you reckon it like puts people off watching it? Because I yes. very much do. Yeah, I, does, I, yeah, yeah. I, like I honestly, Shah won't mind me saying if if I put a film on in black and white. A good example. I showed her the trailer for Belfast the other day, and I was like, "You will love this movie." And the first thing she said is like, "Oh, it's black and white." Yeah. As if like, and if unless I'd said, "Watch this trailer," because by the end of it, she was like, "That looks incredible." But if I hadn't said that, she would have switched off straight away and she would never have seen Belfast, I mm -hmm. guarantee. And I reckon there's millions of people out there who would look at a black and white movie, like Edward, you know, which is only sort of 25 years old, and go, oh, nah, not for me. Because it has this stigma about it's being old means it's shit. Mm -hmm. And that is just crazy. But well, well, mate, this very thing happened. I uh, I was watching it in a, another room. Cascade walked in and goes, are you watching a black and white film? As if it's like a crime or something. As if she caught me watching porn. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm, so I was like, yeah, it's black and white. And I, I said, it's not because it's, it's it's not really old. And she goes, oh, why is it in black and white? And I was like, well, it's a stylistic choice. I said, it's not really old film. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, it was it was made in uh, 1994, and she goes, "That's really old." I was like, "Yeah, fair enough." <laughs> that is good, but it's not black and white because it's that old. No. It's, it's a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I do find that I find not just a black and white. Sometimes, sometimes if, if a movie looks grainy and old, and it, you know, people can tell it's from the 60s or the 70s or whatever, mm -hmm. people just go, "Oh, I can't watch this." And I'm no. thinking. You know, it's such a shame because there's so much good stuff out there. That is old. That is black and white sometimes, which is so good. So, yeah, um, yeah if you listen, you haven't seen Ed Wood. <laughs> like Dad said, watch What it. are you doing? Yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> well, mate, without further ado, should we get into our first film of today? Yeah, let's do it. So, first movie today is Krampus. Krampus. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle bells. Merry Christmas! <laughs> Looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. This is delicious, honey. It's a little dry. Well, mine's delicious. 
Mine's dry. Do you want to trade? It's, the it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Okay. With those holiday greetings and How are we going to survive Christmas with 12 people stuck in a house with no heat and no electricity? Or food. There's plenty of leftovers, Howard. Beer it is. It's the weirdest thing. There's no cars, no people. How long can this keep up? We heard something on the roof. What the hell is this? St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is Krampus. He and his helpers did not come to give, but to take. Hold on to each other. He is the shadow of Saint Nicholas. Good trailer. <laughs> it's, it's intense. Good trailer. I would say it perfectly mirrors the movie, the way that um, it starts off so Christmassy and then ends so, like, terrifying, Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, tone, tonal shifts. Yeah, it really stuff. does. Because uh, we're loving that music at the start, the, the Christmas music, even though we're in Jan, but, you know, it's good to <laughs> go <laughs> Originally, back. we were supposed to be recording this uh, before Christmas, weren't we? But yeah. uh, things change. Yeah. Um, just uh, on that, mate, should we talk about uh, your history with this? Is, I think it's the same as mine. Yeah, um, there isn't really any and um, it pretty much passed me by even when you mentioned we're watching Krampus I had to sort of think twice about what that was I I knew it was like a Christmas movie slash horror sort of thing but I didn't really know much about it I don't remember it even coming out really Um, I definitely didn't remember like or didn't know that like Tony Collette was in it or Adam Scott or whatever so um, yeah it was sort of a complete unknown for me to be honest what about you mate? Um, Similar yeah I had a a vague recollection and, and knowledge of uh, Krampus, uh, the, the legend or the folk folk stories of, of Krampus. Um, and uh, that, that, that's so when I heard there was a horror film about it, I, I thought, yeah, that's a great idea, but never got around to seeing it. So it's, what, seven years on from, from the release, and this is the first time uh, I've seen it. And, um, yeah, I was, I was really, really looking forward to seeing it because I have heard good things about it. Mm, same. It, like, it seems to be quite well-liked um, as Christmas movie go, movies go. Um, so, yeah, I was keen to see it. So, George, do you want to give us the synopsis? Yeah, love to, mate. Ancient European folklore warns of Krampus, a horned beast who punishes naughty children at Christmas time. When a dysfunctional family causes young Max to lose his festive spirit, it unleashes the wrath of the fearsome demon. 
As Krampus lays siege to the Engel home, mother, Tony Collair, and father, Adam Scott, and sister, can't even say his name. Don't bother. No. So the sister and brother, he doesn't even get a name, um, must band together to save one another from a monstrous fate. Nice. So yeah, exciting. (laughs) Sounds great. Um, So... Let's crack into it, mate. Uh, what are your thoughts on this film? So, um, this film, as I mentioned, like trailer, very much sort of split into two. So, for example, the first um, sort of third of the film, um, I, I was really enjoying because the first third of the film, there's nothing really about horror. We've got this, um, this quite like this family who are sort of you could call them the good family. You know, they seem like. Um, they seem like a, a loving sort of together unit. There's a few little frays around the edges, but their their homes in order and their their home seems like it's not like full of chaos and stuff. You know, it's a nice. You got the daughter and you got the son and like you know you got the mum and the dad, Tony Collette and Adam Scott, and it's all going well. And first sort of ten minutes, um, basically <laughs> the like really annoying uncle and aunt like burst from the door, and basically their nice like ordered household just goes to shit, doesn't it? And so the first third of the film, mate, I was um I, I was really enjoying. There's a really good scene with the whole like dinner table and stuff mm. and like it was actually making me laugh i thought it was pretty good what about you do you like the, how it's sort of beginning the start like how it's- yeah it, it's strange it's not what you expect like the, the opening there's there's a weird little like the montage at the you know kind of like a anti-consumerism christmas montage at the beginning isn't there then uh the the young boy who becomes kind of our um, pr- protagonist uh, gets into a, a fight um but it, it, there's there's so many little touches that you know it's it's basically a christmas film that's then interrupted and i think the the, the filmmaker said this it's a christmas film a pure christmas film that's interrupted by a horror film mm-hmm. um but but tonally it's quite all over the place it it starts like um like national lampoons doesn't it meets home <laughs> alone that that kind of feel yeah um, then it turns into like what, the, the mist or you know like mixed with the muppets christmas carol with all these puppets like going around and stuff like that and, and it ends up being turning into then a Guillermo del toro film you know like nightmarish yeah. thing it's, it's kind of you said it's split into two i think it's split into three um uh, it shifts tone like three times it goes from that christmas film to like a, a comedy horror film to a nightmare um so it, it like descends and and i do like that in a way but i do think it's quite jarring at points when you're getting comedy moments after a kid just been slaughtered yeah and see this basically uh, my criticism of the movie is that i wish that the comedy had carried on throughout even though there was like you know we could have still seen the puppets and the clowns and all the scary shit at the end but it did actually basically i thought there was no laughs after the first half an hour Mm. and personally i would have preferred a horror comedy like throughout do you know what i mean like so for, for example a good example i'd say is like evil dead 2 um it is scary but it's hilarious all the way through. There's so much stupid stuff that's happening. You just can't help but crack up. Mm. And I thought that I thought that this would be like that, you know, because the start is so like jovial and fun. Um, but it doesn't. It starts jovial and fun. And then, like you say, good point. It splits into, you know, the next bit is like the mist. And it's like, you know, it's, it's really spooky. And then it just goes all out batshit at the end. And I wish that comedy element had like carried on all the way through. For example, I, th- I don't think there's any like funny kills or like there wasn't much. There just wasn't much fun in the, in mm. the, in the last two thirds, in my opinion. And like you say, jarring's a good word because that hurt it for me. Um, it, it sort of stemmed my enjoyment a bit. 
Yeah, I also think there's there's jarring kind of motivations and and attitudes towards certain certain um, situations, like that the family don't react panicky enough when the daughter goes missing. Um, you know, yes, there's a blizzard outside and, mm. and a weird monster, but if your daughter's missing, you're not sitting down and having a cup of tea looking out the window. No, just reminiscing about, yeah. oh, she'll be home later, I'm yeah. sure. Like, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and there's a bit where a child gets dragged up the chimney from, with a hook with a, like, talking gingerbread <laughs> man on it. And... and <laughs> And, you know, the mum sees this and doesn't bother telling anybody. She, she, I've just seen a fucking walking, talking, evil gingerbread man. And, and it's not the first thing I said. Fuck, I'd come out the chimney and go, fuck, there's a fucking yeah. there's a gingerbread man dragging a kid up the chimney. But no. she, she just comes out and goes, oh, my God. Keeps it to herself, yeah. you know. And they, because um, in this film, sort of lots of the, the, the children get either sort of like taken away or, or you know, permanently killed or whatever. And... Um, Everyone just moves on so quickly, like yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I know this whole film is meant to be quite light-hearted, but I don't know. Just I just felt like I say that the, the first half and the second half it didn't really match up for me. Like I say, it was it's, it's a solid like horror movie towards the end, but I just wish that fun had like lasted all the way throughout. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I gotta say, um, saying that it, it was jarring is one thing, but the going into the like, the horror elements towards the end, like I think it. The 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 actual things we're seeing, the puppets, the creatures, the, yeah, the creatures, the clown, especially the owl, like it, it fucking worked. It was cool, man. It was really. It's really very cool Jim Henson, it. isn't it? Some yeah, of it. especially Krampus when you get to see his face and stuff like that. It feels like something out of Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, or like I said earlier, uh, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Um, it, it, I love the fact that it all seems to be practical, even if some of it's not. Um, it all seems practical, and they look like toys come alive and yeah. and things out of a kid's nightmare, don't they? And yeah. I, they do. I love that, and all the folklore trimmings and stuff is so good. I find it so intriguing, like this, all these like folklores coming alive. Because um, these things that are all like kids were threatened, with, basically threatened with for, to behave when they yeah. were kids, just like us. You know, you'll get a lump of coal. They were told that these fucking monsters will come down your chimney, yeah. and you got to keep the fire hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly, keep the fire hot. Yeah, and actually, she was cool. So that was. That was a good like tease. So at the start, obviously, we got that that German like grandma who's the mother of Adam Scott. Isn't mm. She's the grandma, and I thought that was cool because that did give us a little sniff of horror. Like in this all, all this you know this family sort of getting together at Christmas. Yeah. She's got that like German voice, and like you know I hope they wouldn't mind me saying that they can sound a bit spooky. Do you know what I mean by that? Like it does, a, a German, an old German lady speaking German can seem spooky. And so they sort of teased that, didn't they? Yeah. I think there was some interesting points in it where kind of your, the, the, the stereotypes don't live up to the stereotypes. So uh, there are some like ideological like contradictions, um, which like I said, I'm sure they're intentional, but like the pro-gun family, for example, like mm. they're they're a Hummer driving, dare I say it, like MAGA Republican family. <laughs> yeah. Um. And but they have this progressive view on their children's gender fluidity. You know, like the, the their kids um don't want to conform to to gender stereotypes. Yeah. And they wrestle. Uh, yeah, exactly. They wrestle. <laughs> and 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 then the se- seemingly like liberal democratic family, the ones who should be a bit more open to these things, seem to be really sniffy about it and intolerant. So um. They, they're kind of not quite fitting into the stereotype uh, of of their characters, which I quite enjoyed because mm. the yeehaw gun toting guy ends up being actually quite a nice guy, misunderstood with a bit of bravado. Mm. And yeah, he he kind of one bit that annoys me is he goes back on that near the end. Um, and the liberal dad ends up wielding guns and 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 saving people <laughs> with guns. So it's it's like you know they're kind of merging into each, they're not so different after all, and they have a moment like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the motivations of the character are explained enough. You know, they 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 flip and flop. Um, and I think a lot is doesn't pay off as much either. For me, one of the 
biggest misses in this and and it had potential to be really creepy with a snowman outside you see this snowman just appear in the morning yeah because the kid says oh there's yeah. a snowman outside and they and, and tony collette looks and says oh yeah okay and you're right that is creepy snowman yeah. like who the fuck built it where did exactly, it go yeah. yeah and i i thought i was hoping it was going to be one of those things that every time you turn around and look back it's got closer mm. and I, I thought that's that's really creepy i also thought at one point uh what was going to happen is under those like they were going to knock over a snowman and and all the dead bodies of the kids were going to be inside them or something oh, i brutal. thought that would have been great horror wise <laughs> you know imagine if the the head of the snowman fell off and underneath it was Frozen one of the kid. kids there child and you know they probably would have got an r rating for that kind of thing <laughs> but i just think for me it wasn't funny enough and it wasn't horrific enough it mm. was too down down the middle and and although it works in certain ways and don't get me wrong i really really enjoyed it but i don't think it went either way far enough it wasn't horrific enough it was yeah. fun middling yeah it, it, it was fun but not funny mm. it was like it wasn't horrific in any way, but it was, you know, slightly creepy in areas. Well, did you have any favourite scenes? So was there, was there a scene that stood out that you liked the best? Yeah, 100% my favourite scene is the attic scene. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Is this where they're, they're creeping up there to, like, basically yeah. go and like, find what's happened to the kids? Yeah, but that's... So all these toys start coming alive. There's that amazing. weird snake thing swallowing a kid. Um, they're also, at the same time, downstairs, the, the gun-toting uh, MAGA guy is getting attacked by gingerbread men. Um, until <laughs> Which I, I thought they didn't look quite good. The, the gingerbread no, men. They were the poorest. They were the poorest, uh, you know, foe by yeah, a long way, weren't definitely. they? They looked very like Shrek-like. You yeah, know what I mean? definitely. Um, but um, the the other, you know, sort of monsters and things, especially Krampus, especially that clan, they looked incredible. Yeah. They're so good. So the attic for you. Yeah, definitely the attic. How about you? Um, I did enjoy the attic scene. The other one I liked, I mentioned it briefly, but I did like when they first sat around the table um, and had their first sort of Christmas dinner together before all the sort of shits kicked you off. You like the non-horror uh, stuff. Yeah, I, I just thought it was quite funny. Like, so I don't, I'm, I forget the guy's name. The guy who plays um, that like whammy guy in um, Anchorman. Yes. David Kepner, is it? Yeah. Boom, that sounds about right. So he, I thought it was hilarious. So as Dan said, he's that like Republican gun toting like sort of dad. And I just thought their family was like, well, funny. You got yeah. The, the daughters who like to wrestle, you like you know they like to take the piss out of the other of their cousins and things, and um, I just thought that whole bit was was like really really funny, and like he's always having a go at Adam Scott, isn't he? He's yeah. just like, oh, you know, tell him, were you in the army, were you in the Marines, were you in the RAF or whatever, you know, or the Air Force? No, you're in the bloody Boy Scouts or whatever. But he still like, saves him, doesn't he, with he, the guns? So, he does indeed. Yeah. Um, and also he had my favourite line um, in the movie. So my favourite quote of the film was when um, the guy, the Anchorman guy, David. Kepner or Kirchner or something. Yeah. Boom, Kirchner. We'll go with that. Um, my favourite line is when um, basically he uh, Adam Scott says to him, "Oh, could we um, take your um, Hummer out to um, you know go and have a little look for my daughter?" And he says, "He goes, well, you better ha will it be able to handle it?" And he says, "I could point her east, hit the gas, and we'd be hitting Normandy beaches by sunrise." <laughs> yeah. What have you got in mind, T? And then he says, "Oh, you know, we go out and find her." And he's like, "You got a little rescue, a little recon mission, huh?" Like I don't know. He just I, he was he's really funny. Guy. Actually, he is that guy. Fucking annoying, but um, I thought he just played it well. And uh, like I say, for me, he was annoying, but he came off very, very funny. So um, yeah, my favorite character by a mile. My, one of my favorite lines, and there's two of them, but they kind of bookend each other. Early on, he says, "We should have gone to stay with my brother." Um, oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and later on, when he's getting attacked by the gingerbread men, he says it again. We should have gone to stay with my brother. <laughs> Yeah, he's still harboring that. Like, yeah, it's quite good. They carry uh, that I like on. that. I also like it near the end when Max gets into the the, the car and it's uh, stick shift. 
And it, yeah. I don't even know how to drive a stick. We yeah. have a hybrid, so it just shows the difference between the two families again. Yeah. Um, well, actually, another thing I'd like to mention as well, which I thought they did good, is um, I think they really did um, create an atmosphere that they were the only people um, in the world. Mm. And so what I mean by that is obviously that storm came in really quickly. You could hardly see the house down the end of the road. Like the, the mist. Yeah. And it, you did get the... Like they were sort of saying, oh, maybe the neighbours are okay and maybe there's power down the road. But they really did, the, the, you know, the sort of set design, the way they sort of like, you know, filmed it, made it look like these were the last people on earth. You know, mm. there was no one around, was there? And like, I don't know, it did make, it did make them feel isolated because sometimes in a horror movie when there's neighbours around, there's other people, you think, well, how scary can it be? There's other people like near. But in this, it wasn't. It felt yeah. Yeah. they were like they'd gone to a different world or something mm. you know and it was sort of a bit ambiguous it did make it out like they were sort of like trapped in their own nightmare wasn't it you know yeah they're trapped in a snow globe maybe yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> like yeah. and actually that brings us on so what did you think of the end like so we've got krampus and the little boys begging him and stuff and you know and he throws him down that hole doesn't he into like hell what did you think did you think good end yeah and you know instantly when he wakes up in his bed all cozy and he goes down and has a perfect christmas as he had wished for mm. basically um you knew instantly how idyllic and dreamlike it was that, that this ain't true something's gonna happen yeah and uh, he obviously opens that present doesn't yeah. it? We sort of, you knew that was coming a mile off so you? so what's that mean do you think that means they're going to constantly relive those monsters attacking them every day do you think it means he's stuck it to having christmas every day uh, because he's he's one of many snow globes that krampus has on his uh, <laughs> on his shelves is that what he does he gets you stuck in a a, a, a constant a constant time loop of a christmas day yeah i mean to be honest right uh, do you know my ending would have been throw the kids into hell Dead. and the movie yeah, yeah I, I would have liked that if yeah. they'd stuck with that and again I know it's more brutal I know it's more likely to get you know it's more likely to leave people with a bad feeling but I, I would have liked it if they'd just gone full whole hog you know, all the kids are dead, yeah. and you know, there's no more. But um, it, it is a dark, it, like it's a dark ending. It's a depressing ending, but it's not dark enough. No, it's not dark enough. It could yeah. have been darker. Yeah, and I am a big fan of bringing that kind of darkness to a festive film. You know, like you, you think of gremlins and things like mm. that and even like going back to dickens it, like christmas carol was quite dark and spooky with the ghosts and all that lot um uh, and i do like that it, it works doesn't it christmas horror works mm, absolutely yeah it goes sort of hand in hand because mm. let's face it christmas is fucking creepy as hell if you really look at it like i mean even santa claus i know santa claus ain't no krampus but still creepy a bloke, bloke like coming into you know people's mm. bedrooms and stuff do you know what i mean like it's odd isn't it it's so fucking, yeah, yeah it's it a is very creepy cre i think this the story the idea is creepier than the execution this one i think mm. there, there's room for there to be a really really horrific creepy krampus film uh this isn't it unfortunately but i know there are other krampus films out there which i haven't seen yet there's i, I don't know if there's a sequel to this or not or like a director vod i don't know but um yeah I, I i think this isn't quite it um and i think a lot of that's the writing a lot of it of that is the direction what did you think of the direction um forgettable <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like it didn't do anything that like i you know it, it didn't sort of it didn't slap me in the face and i thought oh amazing no. you know you've done that brilliantly like it just felt like a you know a, a solid comedy a solid horror movie um but like i say i just don't think they it, because it was so jarring and because the comedy didn't like go into the horror and the horror didn't go into the comedy it just felt like two separate movies or maybe even three mm. and i just thought to me that that hurt my enjoyment of it and i gotta say right i gotta say um i watched this twice i watched it in december and then i watched it like yesterday or today sorry and um 
But the first time I watched it, basically, I was getting quite bored towards the end. Um, I was enjoying the sort of like practical effects and the monsters and stuff, but overall, I was just getting bored. I just felt that it was just, it was going on so long. This whole like, we're in the house, we're in the house, the monsters are here, we're in the house, you know? It was going on a long time. Anyway, that was the first time I watched it. Second time I watched it, I felt exactly the same about yeah. the about the sort of last third. I was getting bored. So, yeah, to me, it just, it, it dragged a bit. I mean, it's only an hour and a half, this movie, but it didn't quite work for me. We say this a lot, but it's a great idea, not, not, not great execution hmm. unfortunately uh, if you look at uh, i think it's michael doherty the the director he's he did trick or Tri uh, trick our treats have you seen that that's trick our treat no, I'm that's decent back that's, that's good fun and he also did godzilla king of monsters and uh, i believe you've seen that right yeah, yeah i do like a godzilla film oh that's cool and it looks like he's done some x-men movie as well yeah he wrote x-men 2 i think and superman returns um uh, what i did love which we haven't talked about yet is the animation section that animated to flourish it's very <laughs> like Coraline and a little bit Tim Burton yeah absolutely that um, that did look good that was when the um, the Gran was sort of explaining her history with Krampus wasn't yeah. it the strange thing is though just again we've just like you know I've just sort of thought about something is um, obviously they're trapped in this like snow globe and stuff like the grandma she experienced the Krampus and didn't get trapped in this snow globe type mm. situation I don't know it's just a bit strange you know like it why is she not trapped in a snow globe? Yeah, what, what's different? Did, is it because she didn't get chucked down the hole and he left her there? And it, is it her fault that they're stuck in a snow globe? Maybe. And and it's all it's a it's a circular looping thing. I don't know. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that don't pay off in this. I think. Mm. Um, and also the, the the grandma really annoyed me in in the fact that. All this that's going on, she quite clearly knew, oh, this is obviously like what happened to me. She didn't fucking say anything. And she can speak English. No, no, and she can speak <laughs> All the time she could have said, oh, by the way, Krampus would come and he would do this. Yeah. But she just sits there, and yeah. not doing anything, not the, saying anything. The daughter goes missing, doesn't say yeah. anything, you know, it, like, yeah. She, if she had warned them, they would have, might be able to come up with a plan or something. But <laughs> no, just crack on, you know, get stuck in this fucking hellish... <laughs> Oh man, crazy! Um, what about the acting, mate? What do you think about the performances? Um, yeah, I enjoyed them. I mean, Tony Collette's always insane, so she was she was great. I think she's pretty much good in everything we see. Um, Adam Scott, I like him. The only thing I've seen him in really is um, is Parks and Recreation, and he's quite a main character in that. And again, I like him. He's likable. He's it's fun to watch, and like I say, he's quite funny in this. But for me, I just stole the show. That David Koicha. Uh, can Kettner. I say it? Kettner, Kettner. yeah, Kekna. I just thought he's hilarious. I mean, he's hilarious yeah, he's in Anchorman. Um, he just plays that sort of brash, yeah. really annoying uncle really well. So, yeah, I thought it was decent. What about you, Dan? You think it was good performances? They are, yeah, they're basically what they needed to be. I don't, nothing was, you know, outstanding. I, I enjoyed Aunt Dorothy, who's actually our um, our uh, connection today, uh, Conchata Farrell. That's a funny name, Conchata. Yeah, Conchata Farrell. Yeah, so she's the link today. Yeah, um, but uh, Tony Collette, I just, every time I saw her, I just wished I was watching Hereditary you know like she does a great <laughs> horrified face yeah um but it just like you know i need to i need to see her in hereditary again um but yeah no, it was fine like that no no one needed to blow us away uh everyone did what they needed to do um but yeah nothing to write home about um how about the visual elements in 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 total mate what do you think about that other than the direction what do you think of the, the kind of set design and the the character design and things yeah, I mean, I gotta say, those monsters, those creepy things, like they were brilliant, you know. So I thought they did a cracking job, the people that made this movie, in um in bringing these things to life because they did look, they basically they really stick in your mind, especially mm. like that clown, that Krampus looked amazing, you know what I mean? With his like horrible mouth and his big old like cloak and that. Yeah. yeah, I thought they did a great job, and like I say, that's where the film proper excelled, you know. It, um, it, it was very memorable the way it looked. Yeah, um, it did look really good. Yeah, those bits and the animation were the standout for me. Um, yeah, I thought they were really good. Um, 
and the the first sighting of Krampus I thought was really creepy as well you know where she was out in the snow and you could see him on the roof yeah um, I didn't like it when he was like flying and jumping and stuff I preferred no. it when he was it, you know it's one of those things where I've seen a bit too much I'd rather he just appeared around a corner and was a bit more Michael Myers you know but it's <laughs> the, those chains jangling and his hooves um yeah it's really it could be really really creepy in a horror film and he threw that um that jack in the box under the thing didn't he and like ding 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 ding, ding, yeah, ding as yeah, you heard in the trailer yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah i think those characters were were the standout for me so what do you think overall mate what what, what what do you think overall and what would you grade it so overall um krampus i thought it was um actually i thought it was a bit disappointing like so uh, i i was on board in the first sort of 20 minutes i was sort of laughing a bit it was quite fun um but that sort of fizzled out i thought the uh, the look of like the monsters and the sort of you know the the they basically they were creepy and i thought that the practical effects and the way they'd done you know some of the cgi really really good um but it wasn't enough for me i thought the longer the film went on i started getting bored uh i just thought that the, the the last two thirds were really sort of strung out and it's just in the same location just in that house running around up to the attic down to the attic up to the attic down to the attic like i started getting bored to be honest um so i think it was a bit of a missed opportunity i thought the monsters and the krampus and things were great but i just thought the the story was quite boring and um yeah it, it didn't quite work for me so i wouldn't be rushing back to see it if i was going to give it a score i'd give it a four and i'm pretty um confident on that score because i've watched it twice now and i've and I, I'm a true believer that sometimes I can watch something and not like it and then another time I can watch it again and actually think it's better mm-hmm. and this time I didn't I just thought it was exactly the same as the first time just I felt it was a bit boring so for me it'd be a 4 out of 10 for Krampus but I'm glad I've seen it it mm. did have elements I liked what about you Dan how would you score it yeah good stuff well despite it's like numerous and blatant flaws it it has many i wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those films that i do watch at christmas time uh, as an alternative anti-christmas it's not anti-christmas it's an alternative christmas movie that isn't anti-christmas um but it like i said earlier it's like three movies in one which is which is both a flaw and a positive it's like a cheesy christmas film so you get that box ticked Mm -hmm. um and then a family comedy for a little bit with a bit of horror and then a proper creaky uh, creepy uh, folk horror at the end um but the problem is though it doesn't truly excel at any of those aspects because it's it's so tonally confused. I think it, it chops and changes and it's it's quite brutal in its um, tonal shifts. Um, it's not funny enough, scary enough, or or heartwarming enough to be a comedy horror or candy cane Christmas uh, movie. <laughs> um, so so it lands somewhere in the middle for me. With, with that said, there are like genuinely creepy moments in it. They're few and far between, but they are there. Um, and, and some and some fun moments. The, the performance are decent, and all the characters were pretty well defined with like with nuances and 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 contradictions. Um, but I finished it. I finished the movie like hoping that someone makes that full-blown horror Krampus I really want somebody to do that and it might be out there so if anyone's if anyone out there has seen a Krampus movie that is proper creepy I want to see it um and uh yeah that could be great uh, but this movie is not that so although I I could find I find myself revisiting it each year that doesn't mean it's a good film um it's good it's festive it's flawed it's fun but it's a six out of ten for me boom that sounds fair but you're right Bin the comedy element, go full on with the horror, yeah. and that could be interesting and good and 
you know, a hell of a watch because they, yeah. I think they were half there with this movie, but just fell down, you know, the sort of final hurdle, didn't it? Good stuff. Well, we're not far off. That, that You were a bit more brutal than I. That's We, we don't often have a, a two-point disparity between our scores. That's no, a, we so, don't. So you, you particularly didn't like it. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a good film, not a great film, like a, a fine film, I'd say. Um, I, I was I was tossing a turning between uh, five and six, to be fair, but um, I, I settled on six because I did have a good time, uh, just not the greatest. Um, before we move on and talk about this week's connection, mate, uh, I've got a little game. Oh, nice. What have we got, Dan? So what's the game? Sorry, I mentioned earlier about some Icelandic um, folktales and characters uh, that come around Christmas. Um, have you have you ever heard of the Yule Lads? The Yule Lads? Nah, it sounds yeah. like a Yule Log, but a bloke. <laughs> yeah. The Yule Lad. You're not far off, mate. <laughs> so um, basically, the Yule Lads uh, used to be like these really creepy... Uh, creatures that kids were told about like right. like Santa and, yeah. and like Krampus yeah. um, but in uh, 1746 parents were officially banned from tormenting their kids with it but basically <laughs> I love that. There's, there's 13 Yule lads um, and they're basically all little mischievous creatures uh, like, <laughs> like Santa Claus's little uh, alternative Santa Clauses like yeah. Krampus uh, but a bit more cheeky and now they all have like interesting names and characteristics mm. so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out a name and, and their kind of particular characteristic and you've yep. got to tell me whether it is a yule lad or not okay so is it a yule lad or is it a, a fake one you've made up <laughs> you'll lie maybe. <laughs> i love it you'll lad or you'll a lie. Yule lad or a yule lie <laughs> yeah. so we're gonna learn something here go for it this is cool yeah. okay so the first one is spoon licker who steals <laughs> who steals and licks wooden spoons is extremely thin due to malnutrition so is that a yule lad or a yule lie a spoon, spoon liquor. And we're sorry, just one more time. What was his like thing? His vibe. He did. What? He steals and looks licks wooden spoons he, and is extremely thin due to malnutrition. That has to be right. I really want it to be correct. It is, is it? It is. It's a you lad. I love that spoon liquor. Okay, next one. What about table wobbler? This one nibbles at table and chair legs to make them wobble. Oh, I mean that is cheeky. <laughs> it's cheeky. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I think he's a yule lad. No, it's a yule lie. Oh, it's a yule lie. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like it could, could be one. I made that one up. Yeah, good one. What about the pot scraper or pot scraper who steals leftovers from pots? <laughs> well, the from pots bit. I'm like. I mean, they probably ate in the old days out of pots. I'm going to go for true. I reckon it's a Yule lad. It is a Yule lad. It's a Yule lad. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Next one. What about door slammer, who likes to slam doors, especially during the night, waking people up? <laughs> I mean, that's cheeky. I reckon it's uh, a Yule lie. It's not. It's a Yule lad. It's a Yule lad. Yeah. I'm surprised. The re- I thought basically slamming doors wouldn't have been a bad thing. Like, well, not you know. I don't think they would have been the sort of thing that back in the day they would have got annoyed about. It, but they obviously yeah. did. So, um, okay, Yule lad. <laughs> what about skier gobbler? Have you heard of skier like that yogurt? Ski- yeah, I know skier. Yeah, yeah, the yogurt. Skier gobbler has a great affinity for skier. <laughs> <laughs> he likes Icelandic yogurt. <laughs> It's got to be a Yule lie. It's not. It's a Yule lie. It's a Yule lad. What? Yeah. Mad. I'm not doing very good at this. <laughs> what about sausage swiper? <laughs> Hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. <laughs> For a second there, I was going to say smoked, but no, I get it. Sorry. They're, they're smoking the meat, not. Yeah. Not, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so oh, this could be real. This could be. I'm going to go with this is a Yule 
lie. It's a Yule lad. It's a Yule lad. <laughs> Fuck, I'm not going to spot these little cheeky little monkeys. The next one is Oxy Scoundrel, who steals slippers and hides them in snow. Um, well, we've had a few lads. I'll go lie. It is a lie, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you got that one. I actually looked up the Icelandic for, for slipper. <laughs> <laughs> just to make it really authentic yeah exactly right next one mate what about and you might know the answer to this one meat hook who uses a hook to steal meat oh meat hook i mean i'm gonna go yeah it's a yule lad it is a yule lad and it actually appears in krampus ah, that one so that comes one down the... the chimney is is ah, meat hook is yeah. meat hook that's yeah. cool with the chain and all that and oh awesome mm. right next one chimney spitter Likes to spit down chimneys overnight and torment household pets. <laughs> um, I want it to be true. I think it's a you lie. It is a you lie. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I just I can imagine the old like Icelandic people of like the seventeen hundred getting annoyed about that. But again, it would be annoying if they you know drenched your pet in god. Right, two more. What about doorway sniffer? Uh, <laughs> who has an abnormally large nose and a cute sense of smell. Oh. Um, um, the thing is, he's not doing anything too naughty. I'll go, you'll lie. No, he is a you'll lie. He's a you'll lie, yeah, is he? Okay. He, he uses a cute sense of smell to locate leaf bread. Laufelbrod. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I should have known. <laughs> um, and final one, mate. Porridge pisser. Um, <laughs> who urinates in Haftergrotter porridge um, when left unattended on the stove. <laughs> Well, I don't know. That could be a lie. It could be. A, he could be a lad. Um, I want it to be true, so I'm just going to go, you lad. It's not. It's a you oh, lie. Oh, it's a you lie. I made up the porridge pisser, mate. The porridge pisser. <laughs> but we've learned something there for sure. Um, so, all about the you lads. Yeah, there's there's 13 <laughs> real ones. I didn't read out all the 13 real ones. So there's Sheep Cot Clod, which, uh, who harasses sheep, but is yeah. impaired by his stiff peg legs. There's Gully Gork, who hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk steal milk um there's stubby who's abnormally short steals pans to eat the crust left on them uh there's did i say pot scraper steals leftovers from pots yeah about yeah. pot scraper bowl liquor hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their askew a type of bowl used to lid instead of dishes um door slammer uh skier gobbler said that sausage swiper said that window peeper a, a snoop <laughs> who looks through windows in search of things cheeky doorway sniffer meat hook and candle stealer follows children in order to steal their candles which were once made of tallow and thus edible oh, i love it yeah, so yeah. that's an old icelandic fairy tale um wives tale whatever and um yeah indeed the yule lads love yule it lads that's it well done mate that's, i enjoyed that, that was quite yeah good. that was good mate some good ones now shall we talk about this week's connection so we're going from krampus um to uh edward scissorhands via uh, a, a lady who um r.i.p uh, passed away unfortunately in 2020 called conchata ferrell hmm. so she was the 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 auntie in this film wasn't she, she was aunt, sat yep. at the back of the family basically she was just at the back getting pissed and basically just sort of saying some funny lines mm. to the family, wasn't she? But yeah, I thought she was like, yeah, she's pretty effective in this film. She's quite funny. Like, she was proper down on Christmas. So. She's one of those faces that you've seen places and you can't put your finger on it because she's not not usually one of the main characters. She's just there. Um, so when you look at her back catalogue, obviously Edward Scissorhands um, is, is on there. Um, and she plays a little bit, a decent part in this, but she's also in Erin Brockovich. Love that movie. What a film? 
awesome. I noticed as well she's in Mr. Deeds. Yeah. Um, again, it's not a movie I don't really like, but it's the sort of movie that everyone's seen, you know, a number of times. Like, you know, you see this woman's face all the time. But she's also in K-Pax, which is a film I love and haven't seen in a very long time. Have you seen Oh, this K-Pax? is the... No, I haven't. This is the um, Kevin Spacey one. Yeah. yeah I haven't. Um, uh, a guy at work um, a little while ago um, was doing impressions of the film and like I said, what's that? And he said, oh, this is K-Pax. It's, uh, he's some alien, isn't he? He's come down. Mm. And he explained it to me and I thought, oh yeah, it sounds right on my street. So yeah. um, yeah, I'll have to give K-Pax yeah, a go. <laughs> um, also, she appears in another uh, Tim Burton movie, Frank and Weenie, but as a voice, Bob's mum. Okay. Um, I noticed as well, True Romance. Yes. Which is a oh, banging film. I love that movie. I'm not sure she plays in that, but yeah. And good film Two and a Half Men I, th- I think I, I don't watch that really but no. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people know her from Two and a Half Men um, but yeah she's she, like I said she's one of those character actors that appears in things um, I think probably the best thing she's ever done is uh, Walker Texas Ranger uh, <laughs> or, oh that banger yeah <laughs> or Duckman or Duckman <laughs> Well, I could have linked to any of them. So um, for anyone new listening to our podcast, like the way we do it is that um, we always link from one film to another with, you know, an actor. And um, yeah, so it was my turn to pick. So I went from Krampus to, and basically I had, you know, a list of movies that, uh, you know, all the actors have been in. I chose Conchata Feral because I quite fancy talking about Edward Scissorhands. But yeah, I could have picked any of these movies. Well, should we talk about Edward Scissorhands, mate? Yeah, let's get into it, mate. change for you, right, Ed? Those things are cool. Can I bring show and tell on Monday? He's a highly imaginative character. It seems clear that his awareness of what we call reality is radically underdeveloped. Eddie, you take my very breath away. Do you have a girlfriend? (laughs) Is there some special lady in your life? Skewered kid. Just a scratch. The power of Satan is in him. I can feel it. All along, I felt in my gut there was something wrong with him. From Tim Burton comes the most incredible tale of a most unusual character Edward Scissorhands. Hold me. Oh, that music is... And when, when that was playing, me and Dan would like look at each other like, you know, pretending to play instruments and stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that soundtrack, I mean, we'll get into it, is, is banging. It's so good. Yeah, we also said that you said, I know you're not usually a fan of Danny Elfman, which, <laughs> which you know, I have, a, I have a weird relationship with his music. This is when it really works. And again, we'll talk about that in a yeah. bit. I'll give you a, a quick synopsis uh, about this film, mate. Mm. 
A scientist, Vincent Price, builds an animated human being, the gentle Edward Johnny Depp. The scientist dies before he can finish assembling Edward, leaving the young man with a freakish appearance accentuated by the scissor blades he has instead of hands. Loving suburban saleswoman Peg, Diane Wiest, discovers Edward and takes him home, where he falls for Peg's teen daughter, Winona Ryder. However, despite his kindness and artistic talent, Edward's hands make him an outcast. What's, what's your history with this film, mate? I'm sure it's long. Yeah, uh, reasonably. So I um, I saw this film. I think I think I reckon my history with it, right, is similar to a lot of people's. I saw this when I was like pretty young, probably like ten, I imagine. And um, looking back, I'm thinking, God, it's like it's a little bit scary for like a ten year old. But anyway, I watched this when I was pretty young, and um, I've watched this loads of times. Probably like I don't know nine or ten times you know I've, I've seen this quite a lot um but i hadn't seen it in probably like five six years maybe longer actually um so i was really keen to to re-watch this because um yeah it's a film i've watched quite a lot over the years and um, what about you dan what's your history of edward scissorhands um i think i probably went through a period of a year or two when i was a similar age maybe 10 11 12 something like that uh watching it uh several times i probably watched it three or four times maybe um but i haven't watched it since so oh, wow 20 odd years i haven't watched this film for um so i have a memory of it and uh, watching it through this time um it was like i'd, I'd seen it just yesterday because there was there's certain images in it that just burn in your mind especially when he's in the attic in the corner coming out and running down the road with his hands uh, you know pointing to the ground and, and yeah it, it feels like i haven't watched it in decades which i haven't um but in another way it feels like i only watched it yesterday because of how distinctive it is and memorable mm. so one thing i'd say to kick off edward scissorhands is that um i think i'm right in saying you don't hear a bad word about this movie ever in my opinion i no. pretty much everyone i know i reckon has seen this and i think everyone i know goes at least like oh that's good love it, that film. in yeah. fact most people i think go I love that movie. Yeah. So this is a very well-liked movie and it's no surprise because I think it's incredible. Like, I love it. It's lovable, isn't it? It's, it's, ve it's very lovable. It's, yeah. it's like he's he as a character is really sweet. So you have that kind of side of things, but you also have the romantic side of things, the not horrific side of things, but the creepy and dark side of things and that nature. So you get many aspects in this film and I think, um, you know, I'm not going to, jump the gun at the moment but i think it works on on the on the whole mm. um it's, it's basically it's a modern day frankenstein isn't it it's, that's not a very clever thing to say it's, it's quite a simple observation um but it, it is a modern day frankenstein film um for, for outsiders really um but absolutely so i mean you can basically with this film i mean i i doing a bit of research sort of before we came on um i, I noticed tim burton says like well actually i don't think he says but people say that this is some sort of like analogy of like what he maybe felt when he was younger you know being yeah. like a bit of an outsider and mm -hmm. like you can totally see that and i just think that the, i think one of the reasons this is like universally really liked is because everyone like like you say he's so likable everyone can fall in love with edward scissorhands and everyone's felt like that at some point in their life you know that they didn't quite fit in at some point you know somewhere and i just think this film is such a great representation of like that feeling mm. and it's done in such a fun magic and um pure way i, I love this movie it's so good yeah I, I agree i think everyone at certain points and maybe even all the time feels like 
I'm not like everybody else because mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody's the same, but everybody thinks that everybody else is, oh, they all understand things and get it and, or they, you know, they, they, they fit in, but everyone, everyone feels like it at different parts of their life. Mm. Um, but it, it also what I like about it is it's, it's a tragedy. It's a true, like as, as in the Shakespearean sense of the word, it's a, it's a tragic film, you know, it's a, a romance that, that has a bad ending and uh, has a tragic, has a tragic ending for our protagonist. And, mm. and that's what I like about it. Again, a dark, Christmas tragedy, much like uh, Krampus was, really dark ending, not yeah. dark enough. Um, but what I really like, this where this film really excels for me is not just the music, but also the, the visuals, the, the the like pastel soaked suburb suburbia with like bored housewives and and their nine to five husbands that all come home at exactly the same time <laughs> yeah. and they scurry home like ants. That's something I'd, I'd never um, noticed on this movie before. Um, that you know, there's that point where it sort of gets dark and all the husbands sort of drive into their drives. But mm. you're right. Like first thing I love about this movie the setting like so firstly we we see the 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 the, like the small like suburban town or whatever and like you said every house every bungalow is like almost identical they're colored like pink and green and blues and all pastel colors isn't it not just the houses all the women are always wearing dresses that are i mean one actually one little thing when do you reckon this was set like so <laughs> i got it's, the it's, very next point of mine is what time period yeah because I'm, I'm obviously it is ambiguous but it's very much pointing to like sort of 60s 70s like america isn't it but, but there's also really... got but they've also got video vhs tapes good point because yeah. like the whole time i'm sort of like you know thinking like oh but they've got this they've got that so it's very it's very dreamlike you know and so that's the first thing i love that that they haven't pinned it down so they it, basically it almost feels like this little place is floating around the sky doesn't it it doesn't feel quite real it feels odd and that creeps me out a little bit i I find it creepy this whole like where everyone's got the same sort of looking house and Mm. that everyone's got these little gardens i don't know it's it's odd and it's weird and it's creepy and i love it well i think there might be a a number of explanations that one is obviously which i I think people have, have pointed out before one aspect is that we're seeing the town through Edward's eyes, so mm. he's never been down there. He's 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 grown up in this gothic, rundown mansion, and then he comes down from that gothic, rundown mansion to this suburban place where everything seems pristine. I, I wonder if we took that the Edward's lens off that we just see a normal neighbourhood, you know? <laughs> quite possibly, and, and, and you know a lick of paint ever, here, there, and ever, and gardens a bit rough around the edges. Yeah. But through his eyes, everything's perfect. Yeah, you know, perfectly trimmed uh, grass, uh, the paint, um, you know, the be- vibrant colours. Not they're not particularly vibrant but those pastely warming kind of mm. colours where everything just looks uniform but in, in like uh, colourful in different ways another thing I noticed it's always blue sky it, yeah. it, it's never grey in this film it's never raining it's continuously um, blue sky and obviously a little bit of snow later on but yeah. you know what I mean it's, every time you see a shot of the sky it's always blue and there's hardly any clouds in it and it's just that's very deliberate isn't it because like you say it, it must be from Edward's you know point of view this is how the, the world mm. looks um, what I love as well is that I just love as well how much he stands out against all this you know so mm. he's the complete opposite he's dressed in like black and chains and he's pale as hell and he just looks so ridiculous up against all these like pastel he's, he's a goth amongst like suburbia yeah. isn't he he just looks mental and i just i just love it like every scene in this film just like it just pops out because he's there he looks like such a duck like or such a fish out of water do you know what i mean he just looks so odd and mm. that's great and the other the other thought i might have other than like seeing things through his eyes i thought the other reason the way the town looks the way it does and the way it it kind of it's all it's all it's all um aesthetics no substance is uh, i think throughout the film there are illusions to like false fronts and um 
like like artifice like for example like the avon lady she's plastering up cracks on people's faces like using <laughs> yeah. us, using makeup and uh, what she say you've got to blend in you've got to blend yeah, exactly. blend blend all the time exactly and that, that's literally she's telling him he needs to blend in like not be special you know not be you know different and you know you got to blend in and she's you know she's trying to stop him looking different and yeah. and that's not who he is also you know it sounds silly but Bill, the dad, at one point is is stapling false snow to the roof to try and put a facade over That's it. The Christmas is and all the houses are plastered in these shades shades of whimsy pastel. Like I said, uh, everyone is hiding behind a mask. Like, mm. but 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 when you know near near the end, that that mask slips and suddenly, you know, they become. This is a monster movie where much like Frankenstein the people are the monsters not mm. you know he may be technically a monster um, but they're the ones that the 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 scary ones you know they yeah. turn on him and and become that so despite all this facade that everyone puts up about this lovely place and you know really welcoming everybody is until he doesn't fit into what they their norm they're, like there's even a point where somebody says what we call our um our reality mm. so it is they're admitting like it, we call it our reality but yeah. he's got a different reality you know yeah. you, to, to him you all look like fucking zombies walking around <laughs> doing the same thing and and even like the, the, the perfect example of that is is at that barbecue which is a great scene by the way everyone's pouring over him i think little jibes you know little yeah. jokes about him about the cutting the cards and yeah all that. yeah yeah but, but one of the guys says to him you know it's not handicap it's not handicap you're just special you're amazing you know but, and later on that very same guy shouts out he's 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 a retard or he's yeah he calls him a freak yeah he calls him a freak and so he's gone from saying he's not like it's not handicapping you're not a freak you're special just because he didn't fit into your norms suddenly he's a freak Mm. get him out and and you know run him down um find that fascinating no absolutely and another thing you mentioned so about like the whole frankenstein thing is that um something i'd never thought about before until i did a bit of research you know before this podcast is that you can totally see that um in this movie, the version of the like villagers with the pitchforks and the and the fire sticks and stuff are actually the the housewives, aren't they? Yeah. You know, so um, I know at the start they were sort of nicey nicey, but by the end they're sort of proper gunning for him. Mm. And it's like you would see in an old Frankenstein movie, you know, the old villagers with the pitchforks and all that sort of shit. Yeah. And so it's just a great modern twist on like a you know a tale as old as time. You know, yeah. it's not doing anything original, but it's just uh, I don't know. It's it's what like. The first sort of like say you know six seven times I've seen this movie I've never thought that before but it's only sort of digging deeper this time I thought actually you know what I mean what he's done is he's really you know modernised the the Frankenstein story yeah the whole plot is a bit of a nonsense though really like it 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 doesn't need but the thing is it doesn't need to be watertight for me because it is pure fantasy it's basically a fairy tale yeah like, you, they can get away with anything because it's just it's so dreamlike yeah you need to be like willing to suspend your disbelief it it doesn't like. It doesn't make sense at all that he's got scissors for hands. When you think about it, like, why did his creator give him scissors for hands? It'd be better to have no hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then put the hands on. But I'm I'm sure he was doing something in this cookie factory or whatever it was. (laughs) It it reminded me a little bit of, obviously, like Willy Wonka, which obviously um, uh, Tim Burton went on to have something to do with, Mm. I I believe. Um, (laughs) And uh, so did Johnny Depp. Um, Yeah. um, But it it doesn't make any sense for me. Uh, but, But also, like, this guy who makes cookies has managed to come up with an mortal creature somehow he's created artificial well, life did you read what um so tom um tom cruise sorry was um was, yeah you know sort of like uh you know offered the role or looked there and 
I think this like you know really goes into like his sort of psyche and what that guy how that how that guy thinks. So his main questions were like, how does this go to, guy go to the toilet? Like you know, mm. how does he like how does he you know get by? How, <laughs> how, what clothes does he wear and things? It's not like, important. Yeah, that's not the point. You know, yeah. like and you can see Johnny Depp. You know, you can imagine that when Tim Burton met Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp was fully into it. He's like you say, it doesn't fucking matter mm. how I go to toilet. It's all about this. I'm just being Edward Scissorhands and you just go with it and you haven't got to, like you haven't got to discover the reasons behind this or how the mechanical way this works or anything. It's just he's just a thing that's been made. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not about that the plot device and things like that are just a way of 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 getting across the messages of like lessons in rejection and like acceptance outsiders like tim burton is literally like the spokesperson for outsiders isn't he he's, yeah absolutely he, he he's he's a strange guy but in a good way you know creative yeah. and he's that guy who's in the back of the class drawing on his pencil case and you know creating like edward scissorhands doesn't this creating those bloody paper angels or whatever they are called mm. um so artistic and creative, but doesn't fit into the the jocks and the the, the suburban lifestyle. And and yeah, it's not about the minutiae of of the plot and making any sense because this is a hyper reality kind of fantasy, isn't it? Mm. Um, the other thing I want to touch on as well is that um, another thing that I sort of hadn't realised before until I really was watching this time is how like hilarious like a lot of it is and mm. how, how they basically Tim Burton and you know the, the writers and things have, have come up with so many funny things that happen with his you know scissor hands um, just just little things like you know just the way that they like pin things on there so he can like barbecue them just the way that you know the girl had to have a waterbed so he can like you know like hit them and da -da 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 -da. the way like you know the woman's leading him out into the back of the, the salon to have sex with him and he doesn't have any, any idea I just think Basically they, tries to rape him. Basically, yeah, and they—I don't know. I just—I—I I, I really think they like properly led into the comedy of it as well. And so mm. it's as well as it being creepy and odd, and you know, it's actually really funny. I think yeah, it's, it's, it's more fun than I remember. Yeah. Obviously, watching it as a kid, I picked up very much on the creepy side of things. But I thought it was a much more fun and emotional movie this time around yeah. as well. Actually, I've um, got to say though creepy right that bit when you first see him so at the mansion and the lady goes knocking avon calling all that she goes upstairs that bit it like they 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 quickly take the terror away because mm. um you know you you realize he's not a scary being but the first shot when you see him he looks well creepy like he's that white face that big hair um if if, if they'd want to make a horror movie out of this they could have because he yeah. looked creepy as fuck it really did you know and I, I like like I say I watched this when I was probably like 10 years old watching it back I'm thinking god that's pretty young to watch that sort of thing because it is scary like yeah. the way he looks at this point you don't know he's a good character and he's like mm. a simple guy and he's okay you think who the fuck's this guy in the corner like it's quite scary that first bit have you seen the Timothy Chalamet advert no, I haven't. No, what's he? Um, what's he advertising? It's, it's for a car or something. But right. it's with Winona Ryder. Oh, is it? Okay. And Timothy Chalamet is Edward Scissorhands. Oh my God! No, I need to see this. That's mental. <laughs> it's, it's really well done. Um, That's cool. It's really well done. Yeah, and, and basically, yeah, he's like, he's obviously playing like Johnny, the Johnny Depp, Edward Scissorhands, and she's yeah. a grown-up version of of uh, Winona Ryder's character. But yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it before. It's it's, it's quite interesting. And what I did want to call out is Alan Arkin, who obviously was in mm. one of our previous films, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Um, I think his character, that 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 dad character, is is something that you don't see very often, right? So it would be very easy for that dad character to be like a curmudgeonly 
moody character who is saying, get that kid out of my house. What is he doing here? He's useless. He's not bringing in this. He's not bringing in... And, he, and he's, he has soft elements of that, but he ends up being really, truly understanding. Like his wife is like an angel. She's literally like an angel. Yeah. She takes this guy in. She's he, ridiculous. He looks like a horror character, but she just <laughs> trusts him, even though he's got yeah. knives coming out of his hands. Yeah. Within She meets him, and within 30 seconds, she's like, you're yeah. going to come over with me. Oh, you're fine. You look like Freddy Krueger, <laughs> but, for, but <laughs> come back to mine house. Stay this, with my teenage daughter. This is it. Well, if we get talking about it too much, there's bits of the film you think, "Come on!" Like they stuck Eddie Edwards's hands in in the in their daughter's bedroom. Yeah. She was coming home that night. They didn't even tell her. Yeah. Like it's, anyway, sorry, but that's just crazy. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It's those kind of things. But but that his character is something you don't see that often. A, a genuinely nice guy who's looking out for his family and other people. He's taking this guy in and he'll take him down for a nice lemonade or whatever and give him the straw. Not a lemonade. Um, that was good, that bit. <laughs> I that was good. That bit, yeah. I, I love it how they like how they like reference that when 20 minutes later when yeah. the woman says, would you like a lemonade? And he just goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I just think like there's, there's characters in this that could have been very easy to just take those cookie-cutter characters that you mm. see in very many movies, but they have more elements to them. They have more angles, more nuance. And um, He was hilarious, the dad. He's I great. love it. He's I love it. Like, to me, so, um, you know, his, his name's Edward, and he's like, so, how you doing, Eddie? And she's Eddie. like, no, he prefers Edward. He's yeah. like, yeah, of course he does. Anyway, Eddie, like, he just, <laughs> yeah. he won't stop doing it. But, like, I, I like the way he's trying, he he's giving him, like, the dad talk in the best possible way. He's trying to, like, get him to, you know, be good with money and to mm. start a business and stuff. And you're thinking... This guy's got like he's like a he's like an alien monster thing, not an alien, but do you know what I mean? He's like a he's like he's like some sort of cyborg character. But yeah. the dad, he's like he doesn't care about that. He's like he's yeah, like he's trying you need to, to get a job. Yeah, and morality as well. Yeah. He has that morality chat about you know if you found this money, what would you do? Yeah, and and Edward's just like, well, I want to help my family. Yeah, because like, he's like really sweet, nice guy, and he wants to help his family. But yeah. that's not the norm. The norm is no. to hand it in, right? Yeah. Would you hand it in? Well, this I, money, I right? It's got I, no one's name on it, no ID. You're like, no way of, of working out whose it is. Would I'd you like hand it into say, police? I'd like to say I'd buy my friends and family gifts. That's what <laughs> like I would Eddie. do. Yeah, that's what I would and do. And maybe myself a little gift. <laughs> I, think, like, I think we'd all do the same. I wouldn't yeah. spend it on myself. That would feel dirty. But as yeah. if I treated other people, there was no way of tracing back who that, who's that money is, surely. Right. Um, uh, if, if it had someone's ID attached to it or in a wallet or something, it's different. And I have handed in wallets before because I know what it's like to lose a wallet with money in it and stuff. <laughs> and I have handed in wallets wallets um with with money in it before because it's different like that that's a person but that money's you know it's different isn't it <laughs> I'll take the money and spend it all on myself. <laughs> I'll spend it on like a full PVC leather bu buckled <laughs> onesie. You look amazing. I'd love to see you as Edward Scissorhands. Uh, I would love to dress up as Edward Scissorhands, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's good stuff. And uh, yeah, I think um, one thing that doesn't work for me, I wanted to call out now, mm. um, is the, the death of Jim. So, okay. So I'll, I'll Why is that then? Why, don't the death of, why is the death of Jim... Oh, sorry. Why is the death of Jim? You know, I t I'll tell you what. So, like, I like the fact that Edward Ed, Edward gets run out of the town. He gets run out, and he and he goes back to to where he came from, which is another allegory for <laughs> I don't know immigration. Uh, but <laughs> he, he he goes back to where he came from, and then yes, there should be a confrontation between those two. But I I'm not sure how I feel about the fact one that he kills this guy. And, mm. it, and it's not an accident or anything. He goes full on and stabs this guy in the stomach and, and murders him. He doesn't defend. He's not just a defensive thing where, you know, the guy jumps on top of him and he lands on his fingers, uh, you know, which, which he could have done. He goes up and stabs this guy in the stomach and he goes smashing out the window. And the ease in which all of the 
suburban mums come up and believe the bullshit that comes out of <laughs> of that girl's mouth of oh I, you know he's, i was defending her and they just walk away and leave the dead body of this boy this schoolboy, on the floor and just walk away don't, the police don't come and find out what's happened or investigate it they just go oh yeah he uh he, he died and and there's a hat there's his hand yeah. so it's got to be real yeah like yeah, Edward's, died. Ed, edward's edward's died we're not yeah. gonna investigate we're not gonna search the house to see if he's in there somewhere uh we'll just believe it let's just whack him in the back of a lorry put, take him down to the morgue that's that's no investigation necessary <laughs> and and also I, I just i just feel like that could have been done better and and also I, I don't like the fact that that Winona Ryder character stays in that town she moves on obviously gets married and has kids and grandchildren and never goes up and visits <laughs> Edward who's obviously lonely up there on his own and she never goes in and checks on him because she don't don't want him to see how old she's got <laughs> you narcissistic vain bitch oh, I, right two things on that so I, I don't mind the fact that he kills Jim in fact actually I quite like it and Right, I'll say this now, yeah. Um, I never, even watching it like back the other day, you know, for the podcast, I, I don't think he like goes for him, goes for him. Like, I I think it's very much Do you think like he's going in for a cuddle. Well, no, it's <laughs> I, I think it's very much that Jim was like, well, you know, going so fast into him that his hand was, I don't know, that's the way I watch I it. I saw it as a full on stabbing. Like, um, I, so, I, so basically, the way I, I always see it that basically he accidentally kills Jim and yeah. um, Jim walks into his blade almost and, you know, that's that. Um, I do get your point about the fucking vainness of yeah. Kim or whatever. I've off. never thought of that, but fucking hell. Like, you know, 60 years or whatever it is now, like she hasn't been up there because she doesn't want her, you know, him to see her as so old. Is horrible. Is, He's just there on his own. Yeah. Immortal, basically, as far <laughs> as we know, because he never ages. He's up there, immortal, living a life all on his own and all you like the least you could do is check up on him every now and then just pop in say hello drop off a care package yeah he, yeah he doesn't need to eat apparently um because he's lived in you know where's he getting his food from where's he get his ice from as well by the way um, very good shout yeah <laughs> he makes it snow some you know he's got a massive freezer uh, again none of this makes sense it doesn't need to but the, I've got to say though, I love that whole snow stuff. Like, so I love mm. the way she says at the end of the movie that you know when it snows, I still dance in it, and I just yeah. I don't know, I just really like yeah. that. Like, like that whole scene with the um when when he's first like carving the ice and she goes mm. out and sees him, the ice dance. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I like is that for the whole film, it's been like teased, like he's he's doing it with dogs and he's doing it with people's hair, and it all it's all flying up in the air, flying up in the air, flying up in the air, and then finally it like comes together when he does it with the ice, and it just looks the best thing ever, and it's all going everywhere, mm. and so oh, it just works so well, and um yeah even though she might be a proper vain bitch at the end um i just really like that the way she says to her granddaughter like when it's snowing like you know it's him and stuff and i just i don't know it just works so well i well, we haven't mentioned yet uh, which i, I think is worth mentioning is this is uh, vincent price's um last proper movie um before, when he was really he ill away. before yeah yeah, yeah. and obviously uh, a legend of movies and um uh, horror movies specifically he's known for and that that amazing voice and his face is fascinating in this isn't it yeah he's like i say he's got these Craggy. like really like sort of like pointy look Jimmy. Yeah. he's got this like little tash and he just looks like i don't know he looks like a proper creepy little inventor you know yeah. um actually like he's, he's obviously like a loving guy like he's built edward scissorhands but in a way you're thinking oh what's he like it's a bit sick really like you say he's put um scissors on his hands he's dressed <laughs> him in these horrible like black like chains and stuff like it's all v mm. very creepy now, obviously, you can tell, like, in those scenes, he's, he's about to gift Edward these hands. Edward has no scars on his face at the moment, so he's obviously still quite new 
in yeah. regards to he's, he's been made quite recently. Um, and then obviously they shatter on the floor after after the the inventor dies, mm. and that's that's tragic, isn't it? That that for me was one of the most hard hitting bits. It's like, oh, he's just he's he's resigned himself to a life of having scissors fans yeah <laughs> which fucking sounds ridiculous but um it's yeah it's it was one of those bits where i just thought yeah like, like, he was so close to having a potentially normal life yeah and it didn't happen um uh, but he shattered although the, the ease in which with which those um those hands shattered there wouldn't have been any point having them they no, made a butter no <laughs> made a butter in class <laughs> yeah because i always think that that's a scene actually that proper sticks with me like you know sort of when i think of ever hands i always think of that bit with the hands yeah because you're right the, the like so the vincent price character you know he falls down and like the the, the hands just split like they're yeah. just made like you say made like butter or something do you know what <laughs> I mean like they they don't look very sturdy do they no and also I'm not sure how they're ever going to work because we can see that they're they're sort of like just plastic sealed like, yeah. I don't know how they're going to but anyway Vincent Price I'm sure he had something up his sleeve <laughs> I heard his role was was bigger originally uh, but oh, he but was really quite ill uh, during the filming a oh, bit so him. I think he actually collapsed at one point making this um, and he died a few years later but uh, yeah what a presence he is and yeah. and and he he adds something special to that character that could have quite easily been a, a a throwaway bit you know you just see a shadowy character creating a monster um but no i i really enjoyed it and it's it's worth calling him out mm. and it, uh, you can imagine that it's like you know it's probably a bit of a dream of knowing like sort of what tim burton's like i bet he was like well keen to get someone like that in one of his movies yeah. and obviously i bet he was sort of made up of that um did you have any favorite quotes anything that stood out anything you liked uh favorite quotes uh one very simple one very simple one. Uh, hold me, I can't. Oh, that's <laughs> simple. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's romantic and functional. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, one I liked probably made me laugh. So, um, my favorite of the neighbors, probably everyone's favorite, is the uh, even though she turned into a complete cat, complete cow, is and the one. Yeah, and the rapist, that one, yeah. the one who um, you know basically tries to seduce him. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is bloody hilarious to be honest. Um, just the way when he's touching her hair and she's having like an orgasm and that, that's yeah, really funny. funny. But there's just a really funny bit where um, they all rock up at the door of um, of the Avon lady. I can't remember her name, and you've got the like the god fearing woman who like comes past, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and she says, she goes, he has been sent first to tempt you. But it's not too late. You must push him f- from you. Expel him. Trample down the perversion of nature. And in that joy, she goes, did you hear that? He's a perversion of nature. Wow, isn't that exciting? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I just, I, she twisted it. Yeah, Sounds she was like, funny. Yeah. Do you know I mean, she was really funny. And like, obviously, I just thought it was hilarious seeing how like, into Edward she was for most of the movie. Until yeah, she that's, turned a, into a, complete that's a great moment. Yeah, that was fun. She's one of the standouts for me, along with uh, the dad. Yeah, she's brilliant. What did you think of the, uh, we've, we've kind of, uh, skimmed over some of it but what do you think of the particular direction in this and, and Tim Burton's style and well th- I, what I love is that this is a classic example where they've gone to someone who's got a clear vision you go and do like whatever it is you want to do and um, I, I read that you know a lot of studios would have um, you know, Tim Burton said a lot of studios would have said to me it can't be that dark of an ending and they let him just go with it yeah. and so I absolutely love it when they when a studio will say you know you go and make what you you know, envisage in your head. And so this is probably the most Tim Burton movie that he's ever mm. made, isn't it? It's the exactly, one that everyone yeah. thinks of. And so I think it's like, like spectacular. I just think it, that shows what can happen when a, like a genius, you know, creative is given like full creative control to take a story however he wants and to frame it however he wants and to, you know, just make the decisions on his, on his terms. And so I think it was, it's a spectacular film. 
I think that's uh, particularly what's become a bit of a problem in uh, later on, where he's been given too much creative control, and he and he he leans back on the same thing. So mm. this this film is pure and enchanting, and it, mm. and it's got that style works with the story. He's balanced the sweetness and the darkness like really well, and and he's in his element. Unfortunately, he's lost that in recent years for me, and he he's always trying to crowbar that style of this film and and the films around this period into whatever story it is, whether it's appropriate or not so this whimsy this uh, you know uh, choral choir you know all of this stuff he's trying to crowbar into films that don't need it and it's definitely his most personal movie isn't it we've said that already and and like obviously Edward and his environment are exaggerated uh, but they're basically proxies of his own teen years and and how you know he's 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 an outsider and I do think Burton excels still excels in the visuals but he lags behind when it comes to storytelling nowadays yeah. whereas this is this was the, the sweet spot the, 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 there are great themes and ideas um but a lot some of it feels a little bit rushed when you when you try and drill down into it um and that's what i mean about the the gym bit it was, it was a slight misstep but if you look at this period of uh, of tim burton's uh, career he goes from let me list it. 1988, Beetlejuice. That's a banger. I love that movie. Classic. 1989, Batman. Yeah, unbelievable. Classic. 1990, Edward Scissorhands. That's three years. Yeah, <laughs> three, three years. He's made three absolute classics. It takes a bit of a break. 1992, Batman Returns. Amazing. Again, classic. 1994, two years. Edward. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we've already talked about that. Amazing. Five back-to-back bangers. Then he does a little documentary. Then he does Mars Attacks, um, which, <laughs> which we've, we talked about. We've talked about. We? Yeah. This is this is the second director who's had two films in the Infinite Film Club oeuvre, isn't it? Um. So let me think. We've had obviously we've done this is our second Tim Burton. Um. Who else have we had? We've done two. Let's see if you can remember. Give me a clue. Uh, um, so think of a few good men. Oh, so um. I'm just trying to think what that second film will be. So that was um, Aaron Sorkin. No. And, oh. oh, he wrote it. Oh, he wrote it. Oh, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. So, yeah. Oh, Misery. Yes. Misery. So Rob Reiner and Tim Burton now on the same peg in director-wise. Yes, exactly. Um, so when we do our uh, um, Infinite Film Club movie, average movie yeah. uh, this year, which we'll do at some point, yeah. uh, maybe Tim Burton, it will be a Tim Burton film yeah. starring somebody. I've got to say, though, for me, like the the tipping point, well, this is a film I really like, but this isn't the last film I think which is really good from Tim Burton. It's Big Fish. Yeah. Um. But like, and you said, like you said about it, it was his hands. Um. You've got the 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 terror, and then you've got the fantastical, and you've got the the charm, and I think Big Fish has all of that, mm-hmm. and then. He goes in Big Fish into Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I thought was fucking awful. Shit, do you yeah. mean? And then, and then, oh mate, some of the films I've just seen that he's done after that are just awful. Like I hate Sweeney Todd so much; yeah. it's so unlovable. And then there's Planet of the um, Apes, which was before, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. it's before the good Planet yeah. of the Apes. Um, you've got that Miss Peregrine's bloody School for Unfortunate Twats shit, or something. Yeah. Like absolute shit. I went to the cinema and saw that years ago. And yeah. I, was, I mean, it, it had Burton's like you know like fingerprints all over it. It looked stunning, but it just I don't know. There's nothing at the heart of it. It's just yeah, he really has. Um, Dark Shadows one as well. Dark Shadows is one. Again, yeah. that's the one with a creepy house. Johnny Depp again. Yeah. Again, nothing to Doesn't it. Doesn't work. Nah. He's, he's constantly trying to recapture that. Just... And crowbar that feeling. Mm. I think he's chasing that feeling. But Edward Scissorhands was the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the acting, mate? Uh, I'm really good. Yeah. So, for example, um, Johnny Depp, uh, like you said about Edward... Um, 
this is another example that this guy like really can act like I just I, I, with this I think he only said about 160 odd words in this movie I mm. read it up you know it hardly speaks but um, so much emotion from his face you know from a face that's almost still most of the time I just think again it's a showcase of Johnny Depp being a really really good actor so if you just took this and you took Edward and you looked at it you think oh what an amazing actor I'm not being asked as Johnny Depp when you look at the last load of stuff he's done it's been well boring compared to all this do you know what I mean yeah. I think he's just been so I don't know just it just it basically just depresses me watching him that's the fact now um, so Johnny Depp awesome um, uh, Winona Ryder again I thought she was great in this movie um, Alan Arkin amazing chemistry um, yeah. was great as well yeah. between them too. I, I think yeah really really good you can good. tell they ended up uh, being an item afterwards 100% <laughs> yeah they you? like you say really really good chemistry so I think I mean even the overtop nature of all the neighbours and things I just thought they all played a really good part even the you know the God fearing one who's you know sort of like always down on everything I thought everyone did a stellar job so yeah for me it all worked the way I would put it is they all seem to understand the brief they, yeah. they got what it was all about and some, some of them were over the top and, and a bit too you know caricature but that's kind of the point right yeah 100% really in your face really over the top really sort of like expressive so, you know the, the, the neighbours and things yeah they, they all played it perfectly and I just think it all goes together into making a, you know an excellent movie agree so what about the music, mate? We've obviously, again, brushed over some of that already. But overall, what do you think of uh, Danny Offen's score? Love it. Absolutely love it. So um, I mean, when this film starts, we get that intro where you see like stairs and you see little shots of the the the, the, the factory and there's, there's snow and stuff. Anyway, the music's playing. As soon as I heard that music, I was like fully excited to watch this movie again. I think it really fits. It fits the, the movie so perfectly. Um, yeah, I love this score. It's absolutely iconic. When you hear it, you can't help but remember Edward Scissorhands and carving all that snow and it all sort of, you know, falling over the sky. It just, I don't know. It just, it's a soundtrack that completely fits the movie I think so yeah I think it's amazing how it goes well with this film 100% agree it's it's Elfman it is the most Elfman-ish yeah. isn't it it's like and like we said I know you said before you know sometimes you're not a fan of how he goes about soundtracks I mean I, I don't really know the technical side of how these things are done but I know you're not a big fan of like his I think, style yeah I think it's a particular film that it, it works really well for I find his like Men in Black and stuff a bit, a bit grating <laughs> um, but this and, and the Batman films I think it works really well as yeah. well um, but I think this it, it is bang on and again he seems to have got the brief it's yeah it's still plinky plinky choir music um, but it, it really helps and, and, and the swells of emotion in the right places it's both like it's a ha it's haunting, isn't it? The music is haunting, but also uplifting. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's just like a fairy tale, just whisks yeah. you away, and you can just see that snow and like. I think it's really good. I mean, in fact, I'm just looking at his like back catalog now. Um, I wonder where he. Did, I wasn't aware he'd done the music for Spider Man, which I really like the 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 Tobey Maguire one. Yeah, so did, that yeah, is yeah. there's a good. Uh, I don't know the words like a hook. There's a good like tune playing through Spider Man, you know, which mm. I really like. So it did, babe. <laughs> he's obviously done every bloody Tim Burton film. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, that. he's like look, I've, I've, you know, I joke about him being a bit samey, but he, you know, you could say bloody every fucking person, you know, like uh, all composers are a bit samey. You think of. Hans Zimmer, you think of John Williams, you can you can recognise them a mile off, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just think that Danny Elfman, particularly, you notice his films a mile off he did the simpsons obviously as well do, 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 do. yeah yeah uh yeah so yeah i'd uh, scream um yeah i'd let no, mars attacks <laughs> <laughs> maybe i have been a bit unfavorable towards him unfairly uh but yeah I, I, in this it works bang on 
and um, it lifts the film as well. I think it yeah. it goes up a few notches because of it. And it sounds like he's doing Doctor Strange in the multiverse. Yes, so he got... is. I've heard that. And with uh, Sam Raimi is uh, is the director. So oh, it's, nice. it's like another Spider-Man, Spider-Man yeah. sort of reunion. There we That's go. Cool. Yeah. Have you got anything else to say before we wrap up and give us our scores, mate? Um, no, I, I'm, just to say that, you know, I, I, I was really stoked doing um, doing Edward's Hands. First mm. time I've watched it in a few years. And um, I, I don't know, I'm glad we got it in on the Infinite Film Club because it was um, and it worked so well with Krampus I thought because there was Christmas elements in both um, it, they just sort of led on to each other you know and like you were the same as me you would have watched these movies almost back to back you know in preparation for this podcast I did too I thought it was a good double bill really mate I wanted to say before I wrapped up is you you nailed this double bill now if we can do <laughs> this sort of thing where we can compare the two movies in one week yeah. um, that would be really cool but this was yeah. a great there's so many shared themes in this but completely different movies you yeah. know there's the Christmas and horror aspects or at least creepy aspects there's the kind of um, outsider but also like um, stereotype people but also with with nuance um yeah i think there's just a lot, a lot of connections between the two films and that that tra- kind of tragedy element as well um, well really i wonder works. if they'll get similar scores i i wonder mm. i doubt it um so yeah mate uh, what, was, what what would you give it so um edward scissorhands is a film i um i, I didn't realize how much i like it i absolutely love this film i think it's amazing um i just think it's such a fairy tale it's so like wholesome and pure and it's got some spooky bits in and um the whole town is creepy and it's you know full of tim burton's fingerprints but i don't know it just just i love this movie i think every single part of it works in unison the music and like, like i say tim burton's world he's created and johnny depp given a really like you know scaled back but great performance um you know everyone uh, you know in the town sort of you know giving that over to over the top you know performance to, to really sort of you know highlight how sort of fucked up this like little world is basically i really really like this film i didn't realize how much i liked it um i mean i must do because i watch it quite often but haven't seen it for a few years and so happy when i watched it again so i'd give this film i'm um, an eight and a half out of ten because i think it's really good and um, I, I, to be honest, what I'm saying, I'm sure everyone, I'm sure everyone who's listening, sorry, has seen this because I'd be amazed if anyone hasn't seen it. But if there is anyone out there, watch this movie; it's so damn good. And I don't think it's aged a day; it just looks great. I agree. Uh, and like I said, I haven't seen it in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are you then, Dan? I like it uh, being weird. It's mm-hmm. it, it, it's very weird. It's like like a not unpleasant dream, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. You, you're in a, a different world that seems like the world where we live in, but not quite. Everything is close to reality, but sur- really surreal at the same time. Uh, it's our world through the eyes of Edward, like I said earlier. And um, uh, he's been stuck in this derelict place his whole life with no human contact. So he's obviously this isolated character that a lot of people can um, associate with and uh, kind of understand and sympathise with. Um, And then he comes to this pristine place where everything's colourful and artificial and shallow. And I I just like that, the the clash of worlds there. And and this, like I said, it it just works. Um, Yeah, I love the visuals. The direction is great. It's Tim Burton at his best. I don't think Tim Burton or... Johnny Depp have been better. Um, yeah, and I really loved enjoyed it. It's better than I remember, which mm. I didn't expect. And I gave it an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, so we're pretty close on that, yeah. yeah. So glowing both from me and Dan. Well, Great movie. I've, um, I've got a game for you, Dan. Yeah. Um, so this game, um, it revolves around tattoos. Um, so basically, as I was um, sort of, you know, reading up on Edward Scissorhands and Johnny Depp and all these things, um, I come across a little story. And so, um, as you mentioned, Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder got together sort of, you know, 
probably during this movie, and I think they were engaged for a few years. I didn't get married. Um, but to prove his devotion to Winona Ryder, um, Johnny Depp got a tattoo on his bicep, uh, which said Winona forever. Um, yet sadly, the pair called off their engagement due to growing apart. Uh, but despite their breakup, Depp doesn't regret getting his Winona Forever tattoo uh, because after the split, he altered it to say Wino Forever. So, and we know he loves uh, a glass of red, you know, to say the least. So, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so, I thought that was cool. So, what I've done, mate, is um, I found um, about nine uh, instances where uh, a celebrity has got an actor, I should say, has got a um, like a pretty bad tattoo and I'll read out a little story about it and then I just want you to guess I'll give you two actors and you've just got to guess who you think got this um, you know ridiculous can I try and guess before you give me the two actors yeah of course mate absolutely (laughs) go for it so the first one number one is I'll read a tiny little story so while hanging out with another actor's family um, XXX said everyone was getting tattoos so she got a H2O tattoo the chemical symbol for water um, and she got it because she says she's always going to need to be hydrated. <laughs> However, the two in the H2O needed to be a subscript, meaning it's lower than the H and the O. Um, with XXX's tattoo, she had it as a superscript, meaning it's higher than the H and the O. She's aware of the mistake and joked, I should have Googled it before I got a tattooed on my body forever. So... <laughs> Any idea, no idea. which actor <laughs> no. might have done this? Okay, I'll give you two options. So it's either Jennifer Lawrence or Halle Berry. Who do you think would be silly enough to get a H2O tattoo and then have the, the, the two above the H and the, the O? It seems obvious that that would be Jennifer Lawrence. I couldn't imagine Halle Berry doing it, but that makes me think it might be. But I'm going to go Jennifer Lawrence to be safe. You'd be spot on, mate. It was Jennifer. She's the one who did that. So, she's a kook. Yeah, she is, man. Like, mental. I love her. Yeah, she's awesome. So, number two. In 2011, um, XXX got the acronym YOLO, a.k.a. You Only Live Once, tattooed yes. on his hand. Way to date yourself. It lasted throughout 2012, but has since disappeared. Presumably, it either faded or it was removed. So... Any ideas off the top of your head? Shia LaBeouf? Uh, no? <laughs> no? That's not a bad shout, though. So I'll give you the two it. options. The two options are, was it Zac Efron oh, or Colin Farrell who got YOLO? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, please don't let it be Colin Farrell. Um, I'm going to say Zac Efron. You'll be right. Yeah. Zac Efron, well done. I mean, it's so Zac Efron. YOLO. And it's <laughs> gone now. So Grow up, mate. Hilarious. Um, number three. Um this is uh, sort of, you know, verbatim. This is what someone actually, um, this is like the words of them. They've said, one of my tattoos is supposed to be a monster's hand dropping a bloody heart. But I did it myself with a tattoo kit and it looks like a cactus. <laughs> so who do you reckon? A- again, any idea just off the top of your head? Well, it sounds like this kind of thing Johnny Depp would do, but um, no, I don't know. The options are Ryan Gosling or Chris Evans. It can't be Chris. It's got to be Ryan Gosling. It's Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Well done. He's, he's a bit clean cut, isn't he, Chris Evans, yeah, for that sort of thing. Yeah. And from doing a bit of research, like I say, I'm surprised Ryan Gosling's actually got quite a few tattoos, apparently, yeah. sort of under, you know, under that, which must be, you know, sometimes difficult for movies. He must have to cover things up, mm. and, you know, so, you know, adds an extra layer, doesn't it, literally. Um, so, number four, um, his khaki cut-offs offered 
more than a glimpse of his man-fi. They offered up a look at the actor's leg art, a gallery of tats that included two Missy Elliott's, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac, all of which are done with a lo-fi cartoon style. Um, who knew that XXX was a Missy fan? Turns out he's not. In an earlier interview with Variety, XXX said it was peer pressure. I was peer pressured into getting these tattoos by his co-stars during filming. So basically, it's Missy Elliott tattoos. It's B.I.G. Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac on his leg. Do you reckon it's Jamie Foxx or Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> oh, I can't imagine Jamie Foxx having Miss Elliot, Missy Elliott on him. It's got to be Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf, yeah. He's got Missy Elliott on his leg twice, which is just fucking amazing. I've got to look that up right now. <laughs> yeah, look it up, mate. Have a little look. Have you seen it? Nah. It's biggie. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Prince? What the fuck? That Prince and a heart. It's Tupac. Where's <laughs> Missy? Is that Missy there? <laughs> Possibly. They're awful. They're bad, aren't they? Oh, Jesus. They are so bad. Why do that to yourself? I know. He's a bit of a... Douche. More <laughs> In honour of the movement that took over the 2018 award show Red Carpets, uh, XXX showed up with, with the, at the Oscars with a cursive tattoo of the phrase, Time's up. However, the now iconic saying on her forearm was missing an apostrophe. So, um, Toby Red, any any uh, actresses uh, spring to mind? Who do you think might have a Time's Up tattoo? Anyone who, you know... Would... I remember this. I just can't remember who it was. Well, I'll give you the options. Yeah. So you've got either Emma Watson or Natalie Portman. Do you know what? I thought Emma Watson when I when I when I heard it, but I can't imagine her getting that tattooed on her. Um, I'll give you one little caveat as well. So this tattoo actually turned out to be a, like a henna. So actually it, um, oh, it right. was Emma removed. Watson then. Emma Watson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So although she turned up with, like I say, a, a spelling, well, a sort of grammatical error on her. Um, it that was, surprises me because she's a bit of a bookish. Yeah. I mean, lady. you know, she's, um, yeah, she's definitely, you know, a clever one. Um, so number six, XXX had this one's mental. Sorry, um, XXXX had a tattoo of Marilyn Monroe on her forearm, but she decided she didn't want it anymore because of the late star's mental health issues. It's a negative character as she suffered from personality disorder, and I was bi bipolar. I do not want to attract this kind of negative energy in my life. Hell. I know it's brutal. So, if, so if you're no longer allowed to tattoo anyone with mental health issues on you. You're going to run out of people. Yeah, that's <laughs> so hard. So, um, the two options, Lindsay Lohan or Megan Fox? Oh, so I'm going to say Lindsay Lohan. It's actually Megan Fox. Oh, is it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I deliberately picked Lindsay Lohan to sort of like go <laughs> yeah, with thanks, Megan mate. Fox. Because just to, you know, really mix it up a bit. Because basically, you could see both of them, haven't mm. couldn't you? But so harsh on Megan Fox, what, what have, she said. Have we talked about Megan Fox's thumbs before? Nah. We should do an episode on them. What's up with our thumbs? <laughs> <laughs> an episode yeah next week's film is megan megan, megan fox's, fox's thumbs <laughs> uh, they look like big toes mate oh really can you guess i just want to see them oh my god that is mental weird isn't it that is mental well anyone listening look it up because it is worth a, a look because her thumbs are, are pretty weird a bit weird that's mad um so you've got two more um number seven is 
Shortly after getting married, XXX had Slim, which was the pet name of his wife tattooed on his knuckles. But during their divorce, he had the tattoo re-inked to read scum. (coughs) So, was that Johnny Depp or Danny Trejo? Who do you reckon got Slim and then changed it to scum? (laughs) So, I'm thinking it might be because of their acrimonious divorce, Johnny Depp. You'd be spot on, mate. Johnny Depp. And was it Amber Heard was his yeah. was his ex right? And that yeah, it sounded pretty nasty. And I, I think that uh, him turning up twice uh, with you stop getting tattoos of your partners, Johnny Depp, because <laughs> they ain't lasting. No. And number eight, um, XXX wanted to make a sweet gesture gesture by tattooing his son's name on his arm in Morse code, but it was misspelled. Instead of Flynn. The coding is missing a dot, resulting in it reading Frin. <laughs> Was that Mark Wahlberg or Orlando Bloom? Um, just caveat, I've got Morse code on me as well in a circle. You have, yeah, um, and that's your family's name. Yeah, yeah. my family's name. Yeah. Awesome. It needs updating because I've since had another child. Um, <laughs> you just need a bit added on the yeah, thing. Yeah, added, yeah. Uh, yeah, Morse code. So what are the options? Mark Wahlberg? Or Orlando Bloom. Flynn, but now it reads Frin because they got, didn't get a dot added at the right place. I can't say I've seen any tattoos on Mark Wahlberg. Um, now, Orlando Bloom's had a kid with Katie... Perry. Perry, hasn't mm. he? Uh, so I'm going to go Orlando Bloom. Spot on, Orlando yeah. Bloom. You did very well, Dan. I think I've I got, think, what, two wrongs? No, I think I just only one. had one wrong. Oh. So I think you did, you did well. You deciphered them. I know my shit tats, mate. I you, know my shit tats. all over that. Um, so... Well done. So that's the game's done. That's the movie's done. I think there's one more thing then to um, to get to, which I'm looking forward to, actually. I'm buzzing for it. I am very excited about announcing this one, mate, yeah. because I, I text you and I said I've, I've gone a bit, um, gone a bit, yeah. did I say what my words? Uh, your words were, you've gone a bit out there, was it? Or, yeah. And I think yes, I said, I, I love out there. So, yeah. I have gone out there with the, the so, so, so what you've done then is you've got an actor in Edward Scissorhands, you've linked to mm. a movie, and then you've got an actor from that movie and linked to the... Yep, cool, yeah, cool, right, boom. So the actor I have gone for is Vincent Price. Okay, amazing. So this um, this could be some like old horror movie or something, which will be fucking cool. Yes. Right. So, so I always guarantee I haven't seen it then. Yes, me, me, me too. I wanted to go back. Right. Uh, now, um, do you know much about Vincent Price? Uh, no, I just know he's like an old horror actor who's been in sort of lots of things. Uh, no, not a lot. Yeah, like he's he's very famous. Like he's not just like he's been in comedy films and he's been in uh, uh, horror films. He's also the voice of Thriller. Thriller. Oh my god! That like sorry. Yeah. I, I get what you mean now. I was thinking thriller. thriller. Yeah, the, like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I should play it, shouldn't I? Yeah, definitely. Hello, I'm Mark Wright. Hello, I'm, I'm Mark Wright. Hello, Mark Wright. Is that Vincent Price? Hello, I'm Vincent Price. You don't need any cheesy marketing gimmicks. Just fire that. <laughs> no cheesy marketing gimmicks. So this is Vincent Price. <laughs> Is it at the end or the start? Um, the, end, isn't it? the end is the laugh. There he is. This is. That's cool. I didn't know that was him. Awesome. To terrorise your neighbourhood. <laughs> what 
What a laugh. How iconic is that laugh? Amazing. And um, I had no idea that was him. And yeah. um, so not just a great looking face, but also, um, yeah, an awesome voice. What a voice. And, you you, you know, you, like his voice and his, his look are just incredible. Mm -hmm. Now, the first film I've gone for, which mm -hmm. is obviously uh, a Vincent Price movie, um, is a horror comedy. Right, okay. So, so we're moving on. We've gone from one horror comedy to a kind of gothic yeah. comedy. What year are we looking? Like, what era? Well, <laughs> it's the oldest film we've ever done. Right. Uh, by, what well, the oldest we've done before is 1969, right? Yeah, so it's Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, and it's 21 years younger than that. Wow, <laughs> so we're looking... That. Sorry, it's 21 years older than that. Older than that. So we're looking at, what, 59, 40, We're looking at 48? 48, 1948. Wow. Now, this is... Uh, have you heard of Abbott and Costello before? No. So Abbott and Costello, very, uh, very well-known duo. Uh, they've they they've done some parody films, and this one's called Bud Abbott, Lou Costello meet Frankenstein. <laughs> so, what this film is right is they've got these horror icons like yeah. uh, Vincent Price uh, and uh, Lon Chaney. Bella Lugosi. Okay. The, who <laughs> from, appeared from in Edward. Edward yeah. Yeah. So it's all linked together for me this week. Yeah. And I was very excited with this this find. That's awesome. Um, but also it's got Bud Abbott and Lou Costello in it, obviously. But it's like a, a, a comedy horror romp. Um, so it's like Frankenstein, the Wolfman's in it. Vincent Price plays the Invisible Man. Um, <laughs> Is he going to be in it much? <laughs> because he actually played yeah. a serious role in the Invisible Man in another film. Oh, I see. So now he's sort of like got the chance <laughs> so to let his head down a bit. It's like. basically his voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the first film, mate. What a pick! Yeah. So we're going right back to 1948. Yes. Uh, wow. Bella Lugosi plays Dracula in that. Of course he does. And he's my next link. Um, I've chosen Bella Lugosi yeah. and I'm going... From Bella Lugosi to, guess what? Dracula from 1931. Wow. So we're going with two real old horror movies. Yes, 1931. Mate. Yeah. Wow. 1931. So obviously our, that's 30, 38 years younger, uh, older, 38 years older than our oldest movie that we've done so far. So yeah. we're nearly uh, nearly spanning the whole uh, a century now, mate. Uh, we're not close. And I've said um, when, when we did our uh, New Year's resolutions episode before, and I said I wanted to get to a silent film, we're nearly there, mate. <laughs> we, are, we are nearly there yeah. we just need to step back another five years or ten years yeah. and we'll be there and there will be actors in this who have been in I think Bella Lugosi has been in some silent films as well but you can't use him uh, <laughs> uh, but yes mate we've got all the way back uh, so it's all linked to Tim Burton obviously via Vincent Price and Bella yeah. Lugosi from Edwards so it's yeah. all part of this interconnected collection yeah. of craps and classics that we've been building for two years absolutely mate. and like what i love is when you when we look back at all the episodes we've done and obviously they all link together up to this point every single episode is linked by an actor you know now we're getting into some real like dark little corners of like the movie world so this is cool i'm excited mate but this film like i won't talk about it too much but this dracula is is responsible for the Dracula that we know now. Like, so is this the is this like starting all the tropes? Yeah. So obviously Dracula was a, a massive novel and you know you know huge and played on stage and stuff. But mm. Bella Lugosi's portrayal of Dracula is the reason people speak like this <laughs> when they do the Dracula because that's his voice. He's <laughs> yeah. he's Hungarian, I think, um, and uh, I think he was actually born in Transylvania. Um, that's but, too cool. Yeah, this isn't it. Um, but uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I just can't wait to see it because I don't think i've ever seen it all the way through i've seen other versions of dracula yeah. um but not bella lugosi's uh, version um and 
yeah, mate, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm buzzing. It's going to be such a change of pace. It's going to be, um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome to watch. It's going to be awesome, you know, to record. And obviously, hopefully, everyone listening to it, you know, will will learn some stuff because this is the sort of movie that I imagine sort of like quite a lot of people who listen to our podcast probably haven't seen. So mm. you know, um, and it's 91 years old. Wow, I mean, 91. So nine years. That'd be a hundred years old. It's <laughs> yeah, mental, isn't it? It's crazy. Mad. Um, so yeah, that's it. So um, get out there, uh, find somewhere to watch them. <laughs> Are they on? Are they on Amazon? So t- to buy, like, is it? Yes, yeah, they are, yeah. That's cool. Um, that's so, the good thing, isn't it? Like, although not everything's on streaming, you can always find all these weird and wonderful things for yeah. just a couple of pound on like Amazon or whatever. Mm. So you know, it's easy to get hold of it. Yeah. So just for clarification, we've gone from Edward Scissorhands, and one of the actors there was Vincent Price, and Vincent Price is in. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and uh, Bella Lugosi is in uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein who is also in the Dracula oh. <laughs> I can't wait mate oh, I'm buzzing mate great choices great choices well uh, make sure you watch them before next week's episode uh, George in the meantime where can people let us know what they think oh easy peasy so we've got our Instagram account um, our Instagram uh, it literally just search Infinite Film Club and you'll see us and you can always message us and you know we're always receptive to that sort of thing um, and also you can email us if you want we've got uh, infinitefilmclub at gmail.com so you know get in touch we love people you know collaborating we love people like writing in emailing giving us their thoughts and things so feel free and um, yeah we look forward to you joining us on our next episode good stuff well mate it's been a pleasure talking about these movies I'm enjoying this I'm enjoying this new format yeah it's good and it means we get to watch two movies you know Um, and the good thing with that is not that we do this often but if we do pick a stinker the next one's probably going to be good do you know what I mean yeah. so it's, it, I think it just works and great if we pick and a sticker we can rush through it and talk about the other movie for longer yeah exactly um, but it just means we get to watch more movies talk about more stuff so yeah I'm buzzing mate it's a good show and happy new year and here we go yeah let's do it right see you next week mate see you later mate bye, bye. darkness falls across the land midnight hour is close at hand creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorise Jaws neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. The demons squeal in sheer delight. It's you they spy, so plump, so right. Beat, yet still you stand with frozen feet. You try to run, you try to scream, but no more sun you'll ever see. For Eve reaches from the crypt to crush her in its icy grip. The foulest stench is in the air. Funk of forty thousand years and grisly ghouls from every tomb are closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver. For no mere mortal can resist the evil of 
dig it? <laughs> Hello, I'm Vincent Price. <laughs> you don't need